All right, we're ready. One, two. Okay. So we're recording? Oh, yeah, we're recording. Fire fire when ready, sir. Okay. Hello. Posse in effect, everyone. Hanging out is always hype here at the soundboard. My name's Rob, and uh, I am driving this crazy machine uh, for this month's edition of the soundboard. So bear with us, and thank you for your patience. I'm joined first and foremost by my partner in crime, an all-around nice guy, Mr. J.M. Tuffley. How are you? Good evening, Mr. Cool J. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey. Hi. Hi, Rob. Hey, yeah. And uh, also, we are joined by the head honcho and chief administrator of NeedCoffee.com, Mr. Widget Walls. How are you, sir? I'm good, although I was confused because I initially thought that um, uh, you were referring by posse, you meant the Van Peebles film, the Western. So I, I... Oh, no. Although that is a good film, I was referring to the fact that this is the... Uh, First soundboard of a new year, and uh, we are a crew assembled of uh, music people, and uh, I dare say we're ready to rock, but it's the only phrase that really sort of fits. I, I understand. And, and also, we're not avenging anything yet. So Yet. No. Well, I yet. don't know. Rob Rob may show up with it. You know, he shows up with an agenda all the time of, let's go, you know, shoot this guy. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for orders. I'm just waiting to ride out and... Wreak vengeance. So, f- yeah, right. Wreaking vengeance is good. Um, our big topic for today is, of course, since it is 2012, which seems strikingly weird. It just seems like we've been, you know, just through 2011. But since it is 2012, we're going to uh, take a look back at the year of 2011 and kind of look forward to uh, some of the things going on in 2012 that uh, excite us and make us excited to be fans of music. And you know, since all of us have completely bizarre and different taste in music that, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting and fun and wacky. So thanks. First of all, thank you for giving us another year of your uh, hard-earned time and energy, and we greatly, greatly appreciate that. So before we start, we wanted to do that. Um, I thought I'd jump in. They announced the Brits the Brit Awards this week, which uh, most people in our fine country pay attention to the Grammys. But we're a little different. We do pay attention to the Grammys, but we also like the Brit Awards. And for a little bit of background, the Brits kind of do their award categories a little different. And it is fun to keep an eye on the Brits for the simple reason that it sort of validates, at least for Tuffley and I, our sense of music. <laughs> and I don't know about you gentlemen, I think their categories sort of make sense. They're down, they're dirty, they're simple, they're clean cut, and less confusing and sometimes their records are better. So I thought we'd jump in. Have you guys looked at the list yet? Uh, this stuff? I've looked a bit at the list. I, I'd just like to point out that uh, they do list the MasterCard British Album of the Year, but I don't see a Discover or Visa British Album of the Year, and I'm assuming no. that's on another list. Well, I, what I think happened is I think, and I, and I may be wrong, but the Brit Awards, they probably sold the sponsorship for it. Oh, and I'm sure that, right. Yeah, I'm sure oh, that having... Oh, sorry. So it's kind of like the Mercury Music Prize, which I believe Barclay sponsored the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah, in, in the same way that we that we are unofficially the Spotify, you know, soundboard. Um, <laughs> although yeah, Spotify maybe would they love should pay us, hint, hint. Yeah, that would be great. We would love to be sponsored by Spotify um, with copious amounts of cash and suitcases and small bills. Um, Mastercard this year, I think, won the rights. And that's so it's called, and I'm toughly you were right. I completely forgot that it was Barclays a couple of years ago. But every year I think they have a sponsor 
and they put up the money and have a big party. And sometimes they show these on um, BBC America, and it's pretty cool because you just see their awards are so much better. Hmm. And um, the bands are there, and their audience shots are much more interesting because here we kind of hold back when somebody's up, upset that they won or upset that someone else won. We don't really show the losers getting mad. Over there, you know, you'll see them. <laughs> so um, definitely you've looked at this, right, a little bit? I'm looking. I, I've looked at the list a little bit. Uh, yeah, I have too. Brits, looked a little. I mean, it's pretty Adele the Brits, heavy. The Brits tend to tend to do uh, a bit more pop music. Yeah. Um, especially. Well, the, the interesting thing is, first of all, we should back up and say that you know the British music scene still supports a wide range of award shows. Yeah. So there is an award show to fit whatever it is you need, because uh, if you're more into more rock stuff, you're probably going to want the Kerrang Awards, which is, I think, later mm-hmm. in the year. Yeah. Um, if you're kind of the indie stuff, um, you're probably looking more toward next year's Mercury Prize. Or, which I think uh, are the ones you and I follow, are pretty much the Brits of the Mercury Prize, just to kind of see, yeah. get the pulse on things. And... Uh, so this list, like I said, the, the Brits tend to be a bit more on the pop side of the fence. Yeah. Um, a bit more poppy. Uh, they, which would be, this would be the award show that is more prone to give awards or at least nominate boy bands in the same category as, uh, real bands. Band. Yes. <laughs> which is very yeah. strange. Um, but, but this year, uh, there, there's a lot of, um, I think, uh, Best International Group, I think is, is the strangest mix up ever. I think it's the strangest I one I've seen. Just gonna bring that up, which is Maroon 5, Lady Antebellum, Jay Z, Kanye West, Foo Fighters, and Fleet Foxes. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea. That's, and that's Best International Group. So it's not like a genre. It's just like everyone else. Best everyone else category. Basically. Which is, I'm fine. I'd rather have that with the Grammys, though, than like best international, you know, rap, better, best international rock, best, you know, they break it down into 50 things. And I kind of like the fact that they bust down the genres and just lump it all together. I think that yeah. to that end, it's kind of cool. Um, I'm not really sure who this Ed Sheehan guy is, but wow, he's nominated for a lot of awards. He is. Um, so I, um, I will need to investigate him via Spotify um, very soon. I notice a lot of nominations for uh, Miss Del Rey, who is uh, dividing the internet as we speak. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> the other thing that's weird that's is the that, best way to put it. The, the other thing that's weird is that you've got uh, P.J. Harvey up for yes. best album, basically yeah. British album, but not up for female solo artist. I know. I was just about to bring that point out, um, and it may be that you know P.J. Harvey when it started was kind of an outfit. And so they may be using that as a base. But if P.J. Harvey has to get sacrificed to get Kate Bush in, I'm fine with that. Mm, okay. Um, but that category is Adele, Florence and the Machine, Jesse J., Kate Bush, and Laura Marling. And I just think that's Adele's and the Dud, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The British press The British press has been really interesting this year as far as Adele and Florence mm-hmm. and Laura Marling in particular. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, but I do agree with you. They're probably going to, we'd probably give the word to Adele. Um, I don't know. I, that, 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 that feels more of a toss up to me. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really hoping though that PC Harvey gets the best record because she's really, that record is just so far and above creatively and artistically above all the other records in that category. And it would also uh, be the rare time where the Brits and the Mercury Prize actually agreed with each other. 
which would be awesome. Yeah. You know, and to be, what's weird is I think, uh, and I, and I was going through this and I checked, this is the first time in four or five years with the Brits that I've heard none of the British single award nominees. So I, I've had to Spotify all of these people <laughs> to know what the hell they are. So, <laughs> you know, I feel I feel old now because I'm even falling away from the Brit stuff, you know, growing up listening to all this British music. But I think what's interesting about the Brits is that they sort of aren't afraid to lump groups in uh, and, and tear down genres. And they're not afraid to sort of reward albums for actual merit rather than length of their career, you know. Whether or not I like the new Coldplay record or not, you can make a very strong argument that that is the best British record of the year, you know. And they're not in there because they're just Coldplay. They're in there because they earned it. I mean, I think it's really interesting that King of Limbs is not on any of this list, you know. And a lot of other bands that have sort of been grandfathered in, that would be grandfathered in on list over here, are not. Now, isn't, just, now, now doesn't the Brits operate kind of with, I, I'm not sure of the qualifications for the Brits, Do is there charting that's involved in that? Is this a charts thing? I, You know, I don't, well, I can't imagine it would be, because I don't think the P.J. Harvey record really, char- I mean, it charted probably as an album, but I don't think it charted as singles. Yeah, it charted, yeah, I was going to say, all of this stuff charted in England. Yeah. Um, so I think it charges as albums, but I don't think it charges as an individual single. Um, I was just going to say that would explain why Radiohead's not on the list. Yeah. Because it actually didn't chart since it wasn't actually released by a record company. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think stuff like Foster the People is going to be very telling for what happens at the Grammys. You know, um, and then every year they give an outstanding award sort of that they give like it's kind of like we like the Oscars do with the Thalberg, and this year their sort of like career award goes to Blur, which is kind of interesting. Um, not that it's not well deserved, but I think it's kind of interesting because they just happen to have a new album coming out, and oh yeah, they give them the Hall of Fame award, you know. Um, so sometimes I think things like that are kind of a little little sneaky with the Brits, but it's fun to watch. It's a whole other music award thing to um, keep an eye on. And the interesting thing about the Brits is that it is so completely different from the Grammys that if you ever just sort of want to be able to say, I wish I understood the British music industry, you could just watch the Brits and then, you know, read about the Mercury Prize and you would pretty much get how they think about, you know, radio playing and stuff. Because even when you listen to any of the BBC channels and they play a mix, you know, they'll play Lady Gaga and they'll play Jay-Z, but then you'll hear, you know, the vaccines and the Arctic Monkeys and P.J. Harvey and stuff, after that, it's still far more listenable than most contemporary American radio. And I think that's kind of an, it's still interesting, to, at least for me, to have a radio show, or a uh, an award show where radio, it's based on you know, radio, charts, and what people actually listen to. And I, I think we, as people throw on music shows and the Grammys and do that, sort of have gone away with that, gone away from that a little bit. So that's why it's interesting to me. And that's why I put it on the topic list. So I was just curious about your guys' thoughts on that. Uh, and not to uh, – you brought them up, so I, I wanted to uh, ask this now, uh, not, to yeah. jump, not to jump topics. But um, Foster the People, I – when I was trying to go over things to, you know, like like you were doing with singles, trying to go – Okay, yeah, let me let me catch up on the stuff that somehow slipped through the net for 2011. I don't know where Foster the People came from, 
but apparently they're like the huge juggernaut that I must have missed. And they, they appear to be, and what is, what do you, what is your guys take on them? Cause I don't remember us talking about it. I may have been in a few feel really good. Okay. Uh, because for those, for those of you who may be listening for the first time, oftentimes, Widge always feels he's behind Cuffley and I in current music, which is never really completely the case. But I got the, the EP for Pumped Up Kicks in the summer, and I played it. I'm like, oh, that's a cool little single. You know, it's a throwaway. I doubt I would get the record because it just didn't seem like it would be more than like a one-hit band to me. And I kind of very dismissed it as, okay, this is going to be one of those bands, you know, like the New American Radicals or whatever, you know, or something that has like a one-hit track, and then they go away. And then... Then they're in car commercials, and then they're everywhere. And I have not, I mean, I think it's one guy, um, who brings in session players mainly, and I, they're everywhere. And how did I miss this? I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I thought it was they, catchy the, I thought it was catchy the first time I heard it, but then the other. Okay. Well, that, yeah. that was going to be my next, times. that yeah, was, that was my next question. Yeah, that was my next question is, like, for example, one of the places that I looked was, because we are unofficially sponsored by Spotify, I went to their top 100 of the year, and the entire album appears to be in, like, the top 25. And I stopped listening because I'm like, well, this is, you know, the singles, for me, they were nice to listen to, like, once. And then I was like, well, that was decent. You know what I mean? There's some songs that you're, you're kind of happy you heard them, but they don't really leave a mark. And you don't necessarily want to replay them mm-hmm. again because you know that there are hours and hours of music that you have to get to that mm-hmm. do require. Okay. That was them for me. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy. And no, that- we're on the same page. Okay. Okay. Although I have to play pumped up kicks, pumped up kicks a lot, you know, when I DJ out because the kids like it, but I try to stay away from the other parts of the record because they're almost so produced and so sugary that I can't take it, you know? It's, and it's different than when you listen to like the Phil Spector records, which are really well produced, really slick, and all sounded the same. They're, it's different than that somehow, and I can't define it, but it's almost like they're so polished, they're so clean, and so white bread mm. in terms of just like, you know, it's like, this, here's your, here's your pop music served up in a sandwich with meat on it. Here it is, eat it, thanks, bye, you know, that, you know, and, that's not necessarily bad. I mean, for us to bitch about derivativeness and pop music is, you know, a losing battle. But I've never seen it done so prepackaged and perfect that, it, you know, it's it's almost um, sort of dystopian how perfect it is. <laughs> Although what's fun about Pumped Up Kicks, I have to say, is they did pull one over on a lot of people because if the people that program regular radio had actually listened read the lyric sheet for the song before they listened to it they never would have put it on the radio you know because it's basically you know about kids going to school and shooting up other kids <laughs> you know and it's poppy which you know the dark apocalyptic side of me says you know the fact that they got that on the radio and didn't get caught bully for them but enough that's, already that's from the that's from the smith's textbook of songwriting yeah exactly so um yeah, but they sort of, I mean, and they're dominating a lot of award shows, you know, but a lot of these guys, you can argue paid their dues. I mean, Elvo, Kasabian, Kasabian over here is almost unheard of, but in Britain, they're very, very huge. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, kind of extraordinary and sad. Um, but, and, and you like, know, York's nominated. 
you know, I started to notice Kasabian's getting a little play over here because there was a wrestling picked up on one of their new songs. Oh, they no. picked up on Rewired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was played a lot on WWE shows for a while. I know this because I have friends who watch wrestling. But uh, friends, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I got, I got, I got an email from somebody going, um, "Who is this band?" And they made me watch a commercial, and it was like, "Oh, that's Kasabian." Tuffley, are these the same friends that used to listen to hair bands back in the day? No, I freely admit that I listen. Okay, to okay, just checking. <laughs> just checking. And that's a whole other side industry as well. That you know, there's all this product placement where record labels will go to like WWE or mixed martial arts and get their pitch their songs to get used because it's so much money. I mean, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, if it gets used for a pay per view, that's that's a lot of money. Plus. It's exposure because it gets played for like the month leading up to that pay per view. Yeah, on um, every single show. But yeah, I think I mean I think you should look at the uh, everyone if they get a chance. You know, who's listening to our podcast you should just go to the Brit Awards thing and look at it and see how they do their categories, and then look at the Grammys and just sort of get a feel. It's like you know, this is to me what I love is it, it's much more condensed, it's much more thinned out of. 20,000 categories. You're not confused with record of the year and album of the year. And they just sort of, in that English way, sort of get on with it and get it done. <laughs> you know, every category I think is uh, five people and not some are three and some are four. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of organized and to the point and, and crisp, which I also like about the Brits as well. But it is probably my second favorite of the uh, British award shows because it's more poppy than alternative, but it is interesting because it's kind of like if you want to pick through pop music and just say, okay, this is what I should be listening to. You just watch this and you'll kind of have an idea of probably what rises above the crop a little bit. So, um, anybody have anything else on the Brits? I'm good. I'm good. And we'll kind of keep an eye on this too, but I just thought we'd bring it up just to, just to talk about it. So planning for, uh, the soundboard, each of us, as we take turns hosting it, sort of goes through an agenda, and, and we kick the agenda out, try to find things out. And when I was planning the agenda, I was kind of, you know, disturbed, because you guys, when you do it the last couple of times, have all had some sort of download story of interest or some sort of legal thing, and I didn't have one. So I was starting to think left out and sad. And then this little nugget fell across my uh, computer email from a friend of mine, and I'm like, oh, this is so absurd. We have to talk about it. And... Briefly, we'll talk about it because we've beaten this subject to death. But if you are looking to buy stock in a major record label, I would not recommend EMI Records. Um, <laughs> EMI has been kind of flailing around in the death now. And I think Universal is in the process of trying to buy them. But Universal been... ended up buying the, uh, the recording side of the house and uh, the active label. And I believe Sony got the publishing. Wow. But... EMI has sort of been this semi-dead zombie record label corpse for quite a while that sort of like just does all these asinine things. And if you go through the old editions of the soundboard, you always hear us talk about EMI. Um, but this week, EMI announced that they are suing the government of Ireland. <laughs> That's right. They are suing the government of Ireland over the handling of privacy laws. And the EMI representative said that their record label should have the right uh, to demand internet service providers to look into websites that they believe are involved in piracy. And 
they also sued another MP3 dealer called Reggie Dig, uh, Reg Dig or Red Digi or something, and I don't know too much about that, but they're they're jumping on the uh, on the, on the piracy crackdown, which when that happens, it sort of sends a flag up to me. And at first, I'm like, well, this is asinine. This is absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And then I started thinking about it, and it's like, okay, if a major company, if they actually get this to go through in Ireland. Then it sets up a test precedent case to pursue both the United Kingdom and then the U.S. And then it's it, it ties in sort of with SOPA, but not as alarmingly. Um, and I just at first I thought this was the dumbest. Well, it is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But because I, I firmly believe that record labels and governments are two entirely different things. But uh, I just can't believe this is happening. I mean, this is the label of Beatles and all these other, and great classical music and. Now they're, it's like they're sitting on their desk looking for something to do. <laughs> it's very, very sad. So I just thought I'd see what, uh, what you guys thought about this. You know that thing when, when the old management has nothing to do and, and you, you kind of like those Whirlpool commercials? Yeah. Or, or, or they're by themselves. <laughs> the Maytag man. They're Maytag yeah. man and they're waiting for, they're waiting for, you know, the next thing and, especially the people who are currently running EMI because they know they're about to be replaced. Uh, I just—you're right. It just kind of seems like they're throwing darts at a board to see what to do now. What to do now? Oh, yeah. Sue Ireland. That's that's interesting. Um, but I—I I, I don't understand this. So let me see if I get this right. So EMI <laughs> is suing Ireland. This is where we need yeah. our poll, by the way. EMI yeah. is suing Ireland because they don't have any. Because they believe that Ireland. Vote. They believe that the government of Ireland is being too lenient in cracking down on piracy. That they are not doing enough to enforce the existing piracy laws. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't see how this can go through because there's, as I understand it, there's not been a very good track record for suing governments because governments, for the most part, being governments, can just go. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't I don't know that this will go anywhere. Uh, I think it's more of a uh, trying to call attention to the problem kind of thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And but I I agree with you. I mean, it is it is kind of ridiculous in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We uh, you know the it's it's them trying to uh, sue people because they're not being dickish enough. You know. Yeah. Be like us and be more of a dick. I, that's, a, that's a great business policy. Well, the other thing, too, is they could very easily know that, look, the government of Ireland does not have enough money to get bogged down. This is a lawsuit. So they'll meet them halfway and get some legislation or some form of, like, quasi-bureaucratic tie-in with this. You know, that might be a gamble on their end Well, well, well. going from that, they could sue Italy and Greece. Yeah, but neither of those sell a ton of records, neither, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I think, Rob, I think they should sue them for not selling enough records. I think that's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would just think that this is something where you just pick up a phone and call somebody rather than suing them. I mean, the whole thing is just, I mean, it sounded so incredibly bizarre that I had to, I had to call in for backup to make sure I wasn't like going, well, that this wasn't like really bizarrely strange. So, um, we'll keep an eye on that just to sort of see where it goes. But we, we wanted to bring it up just sort of to add an air of amusement. To the podcast, and also to let you know that part of your job as a music consumer and a music listener, you know, if you like Spotify, if you get 
albums from different places and things. You know, you have sort of a duty to keep an eye on this kind of stuff. And when they wrong people, you sort of have to speak out. And so, you know, although we have one Irish listener to our podcast, maybe, he's bully for them. Well, and let me just say, uh, Aaron, if if you are listening, uh, if you do get subpoenaed, please let us know. Yeah, because we don't know you. Yeah. Um, moving on, and I know this is everyone's favorite uh, time of year. Um, Madonna, who you may remember was a mega huge pop star uh, back in the day, has has a has a new record coming out. And the word on the street is that uh, Madonna's not too happy with a lot of other artists sort of copying her old songs and redoing them and making money. And she's sort of been looking for a way to put an exclamation point on the comeback for this record. She's going to be a tour. There's going to be a tour. And from, I haven't heard any of the tracks, but from what I've heard from everybody sort of inside industry stuff on different trades, some of which normally don't like her records, it's just like, holy cow, this is like, sounds like Madonna from 20 years ago, blah, 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 all that. So by all accounts, this could be like the record to sort of watch for the year, kind of, because it could get really catty really quick. But Madonna has chosen the Super Bowl to sort of be the launch site for her comeback, quote unquote, which I never thought Madonna would need a comeback, but who would have thought? And it sort of raised this issue with me that, you know, is a sporting event like the Super Bowl a good platform for a musical band to get their records heard. I mean, a couple of years ago, Bruce Springsteen played the Super Bowl. It was great. Then we had The Who a couple of years ago. It was kind of okay, but really disappointing for people that were fans of The Who. Then we had a whole mess years ago with uh, Justin Timberlake and Jessica Jackson. Or Jesse... Uh, Jack. 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 Jackson. Yeah. Um, so you have to wonder, is it really smart, if you're at a popular band, a big like stadium rock band to do events like playing football games or soccer games or the world cup, you know, underworld, for example, is doing the music for the Olympics this year, uh, for the opening ceremonies. Is that something that you guys think is a smart move for a band in terms of, of getting their, their music out there? Or do you think sometimes it's a mistake? Well, first off, underworld is a lot better than, uh, than what they did at the, uh, the closing Chinese ceremonies. Yeah. Let's just say, Sorry, Jimmy. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Page, if you're listening. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a bad idea. But um, it depends but on the, the kind band. Of thing, uh, yeah. It depends on the band, really. That's um, what I was thinking. The Who, if I recall correctly, didn't The Who get booed? Yeah. The Who got booed. And it was supposed I mean, to be a big thing, and they got booed. But it depends on the band. I mean, Springsteen, I don't think, I, I, I think genetically, if you don't like Springsteen, you're just exiled from the country, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, Springsteen got a free pass. I think, uh, but he also worked his ass off. You could tell he, he did. was working. He did. And, and it was the, it was him and E street and they always do a good show. So nobody was worried about that. Um, but again, I mean, it depends on the, it depends on who they get up there. I, I think it's kind of funny. We're now at the point where, you know, we let Madonna play the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember the point where where it's come is it, maybe Madonna's in the share phase. You know, she you know can't I mean? sell Pepsi on TV because she's got a burning cross behind her. But, she but we'll let her play the Super, play Bowl. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe Madonna's in the share phase now where it doesn't all the critics are like, oh, God, she's going to put out another record. But it doesn't matter anyway. Fine. Fine. Let it go. She's great. Great. Yeah. 
it's come around. She's been around long enough where where it's the only fifteen minutes, yeah. Where she's only become where she's just become critic proof. Uh, yeah. But um, I, it's interesting. I don't know if a dance act. This is the other thing too, because Madonna is pretty much a dance act, um, and I think Janet was the last dance artist. I guess you could say that actually performed at the Super Bowl, um, because usually the Super the Super Bowl caters in particular caters toward you know rock bands. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that's received. And that was the other thing I was thinking too. I mean, I know that I sent this, and you're like, "Oh God, sports!" No, but I was more interested in sort of the psychological aspect of why bands do this, and do they carry their their fan base with? It? Is it a way to get her any new fans? Or any awareness for her record, and will it draw new audiences? I just don't know if, if that works. I mean, like for me, I didn't watch much of the Super Bowl when the Who were on, but I made an effort to like, oh, the Who's on. I at least want to see the Who, you know. I, you know, I think the way Madonna thinks about it, it's the same as putting a movie trailer on the Super Bowl. And I kind of think, that, yeah, I mean, she's going to play, I think, one new song, and the rest are all hit. They announce the, the, the list. That's yeah, she's going to play. And you know, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, 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 if it's not a movie you dig. It's the fact that, oh, it's, it's a trailer on the Super Bowl. You're going to watch it. You know what I mean? So yeah, not, maybe that's what Madonna's thinking. It's not so much, you know, oh, the football crowd is really into Madonna. It's probably just, I'm a big artist. Um, I was available and, uh, I can advertise, Hey, I'm back. So and they also, I think to a certain extent, run out of big names to put on. Too. You know, I think they every year they need a name, you know, and she still has a big name, which is which is kind of interesting. And she may, and she needs to do it. And it may have it may also be too that they want to. It's like you know, the Super Bowl has been trying for years to get the female demographic to watch the Super Bowl. So now they may be able to pull in that numbers, you know, by doing something like this. Now, conversely, with sporting events, you know, we have different artists sing national anthems and stuff, and that's kind of come and go and every year you hear about somebody did it and screwed it up or whatever and it's always interesting how they handle the national anthem but i know you talked about this toughly but when they have the the other big sporting event that they have every year the nfl is on thanksgiving day and yeah. they always have games and nickelback was, was was played at the uh ford field in detroit for the lions game yeah and when that was announced lions fans were actually petitioning to get nickelback to not perform at halftime uh, that also included members of the Detroit Lions that were Which, also included uh, in that. I thought that was like hilarious. Um, you know, just, it's so weird when we start trying to put bands and rock and roll into sporting events. It is so, um, so much a cauldron for disaster, but yet we keep doing it. It's really kind of a fascinating micro study of where we are as a, as, a, you know, a group that does this whereas like when you watch the world cup or games they or, or other sporting events you know whether it's curling in britain or you know the world cup or whatever or curling in canada or the world cup or, or soccer games they may have recorded music is much bigger of an event there than having the performer play now the world cup they'll have them at opening and closing ceremonies and things like that and they'll have but an it, official song because what was it uh shakira had the last one yeah shakira was the last one and then oh god i remember in the what early nineties, it was the Happy Mondays had a had the World Cup song. Um, well, I remember or was that just British State? soccer? I remember when when they were trying to get the Manchester Olympics. Eight hundred eight State made a, a song called Olympic, trying to yeah. get, when they were trying to get the Olympic Games for Manchester. 
So, and New Order did the world in motion for the World Cup. You know, yeah. they do a submission for that. Um, so it's always kind of interesting. And the rest of the world seems to view it with a certain sense of like calmness and, well, we'll try this and we'll pick the absolute best. Whereas we're just like, it's almost like they take the names of everyone who's big and puts them in a hat, you know, well, <laughs> and they draw one. So. And, like I, and like I've said, I think it depends on the band though, because for the NFL, because they, I mean, the game was in Detroit. It was the first really big Thanksgiving. It was the first time that the Thanksgiving game actually mattered to Detroit standings yeah. in the NFL and in yeah. the, in the ongoing season. Uh, so I think the idea was they actually would have preferred an artist that was actually in town. That yeah. would have been or from Detroit because it's not like they don't have people. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, the fact that I, I think the thing that caused the ire was that it was a Canadian band. Mm-hmm. And a, the, well, a, the fact that it was a Nickelback and B, the other thing that swung people who did not know who the band was, was that, oh yeah, they're Canadian. And that, yeah. and that kind of pushed it along. And although, although that one failed. The yeah. one that actually worked is the petition in Canada uh, for the opening, uh, the season opener of the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, because uh, actually a Winnipeg newspaper and several media outlets sponsored a petition to keep Nickelback off the bill to <laughs> play the opening of the Winnipeg Jets game. Uh, by the way... <laughs> And by the way, for those of you who don't care about hockey at all, uh, the Winnipeg Jets is the artist formerly known as the Atlanta Thrashers. Just yeah. so you know. But, uh, but, a, a, that, and the original Winnipeg Jets went to Denver, I believe, and became the Avalanche, Phoenix. right? Phoenix. Phoenix. Okay. They went to Phoenix. Okay. Well, they went to and, uh, yeah. and, uh, so they were having this big, you know, uh, homecoming thing at their first, their first gig. It was part of the NHL faceoff stuff. And they were going to book, they were going to have a concert outside and the band was going to play halftime and whatever. There was a petition, uh, against Nickelback and they killed it. And I believe they ended up getting Bachman Turner overdrive. No shit. Um, well, it is Canada. Yeah, it is Canada. But, Water uh, Flash was unavailable. Well, you know, Rush can't be everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Rush and Arcade Fire can't be booked everywhere in Canada. So, you know, but it, yeah. but it does depend on a band. And I think it, like I said, Springsteen would have gotten a free pass. I think, I think Springsteen's automatically the only one who would have gotten the free pass. I think Tom Petty, when he played a couple of years ago, got one too. Well, Tom Petty did, got one. Prince, uh, I think there were actually viewer complaints about Prince's performance at one point. It, which it, it seemed really flat. Which you'd kind of, well, yes. Uh, I think he did something with a guitar, which you, which you'd kind of expect. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I think I think for some artists, the Super Bowl playing the Super Bowl actually kind of feels like you've made the point of acceptance where either people just accept you're you're there and don't care what's coming yeah. out of your mouth. You know, kind of that 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 share point where it's like, oh God, she's still making records fine. She'll die soon. So, well, the other thing that, oh, the other thing that scared me is is one year they had Aerosmith. And yeah. it would have been five, it was just Aerosmith, but they had like four people, so it was like Aerosmith and Nelly and all that. So all of a sudden it's Aerosmith and then it merges into a Nelly thing and then they're Aerosmith and singing with Nelly. I'm like, just don't, don't complicate this, man. I just think, you one. know, I think that was an MTV thing. I think M- when MTV had the Super Bowl halftime show for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, until CBS 
the the elders at CBS took it away from them because they yeah. suddenly remembered, oh right, we're the old people network. Um, but uh, they they took it away from them and played artists that were closer to the pocket of people who actually watch CBS. Yeah. So um, I, I think when CBS, particularly when CBS handles the Super Bowl, um, which they have for the last couple of years. Uh, you tend to get decisions like, uh, you know, these middle of the road acts that, 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 that they get for this that are potentially safe. Um, well, Madonna's not necessarily always safe, so this could be real interesting. It, so, it's not, but I know, uh, I mean, I think, I don't think she's gonna do anything crazy, but it is interesting that, you know, I, when I, I, I seem to feel like Madonna's kind of past the edgy point. You know what I mean? I, it doesn't matter how too. edgy she tries to be, and people are going to go, "Oh, it's Madonna. It's fine." Yeah. <laughs> at this <laughs> point, me, and I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, if if we get the old pissed off edgy Madonna back, maybe that'll be great. And maybe you know, I so to me, that's why it's kind of an interesting thing. But we'll we'll see how this all evolves. I kind of like your idea of how they use it as a trailer to set up the uh, the, the the record. I like that sort of approach to it, but. It's just really a weird phenomenon, and I know that. Uh, uh, and like I said, it's also going to be interesting because Madonna is primarily a dance act, and the people yeah. they usually book for these things are rock bands. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that 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 plays out too. Yeah, but she's also safer than putting on a hip hop band that not everyone's going to like. You know, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I, I guess I, the but, Roots weren't available. The Roots, I think, would be a great halftime band. I, you know. I think- now, they played the Winter Classic. Now, I'll tell you this. They played the Winter Classic, and they were great. Okay. Yeah. Now, let me just ask you this, guys. Can you can you really see anybody booking the roots right now for something big, uh, considering the quote-unquote fishbone incident? Well, they actually, they were booked to play the Winter, uh, the NHL Winter Classic game, the one that's outdoors. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And this was like a month after it happened. Oh, no, no. After Don't get me wrong. I, I, I would have booked them like that night for anything yeah. because I thought that was amazing. But I'm just... If you're going for safe, I think the roots have proved that they're not safe. <laughs> and yeah. and I, they shouldn't be, you know? No, no, they shouldn't be. But the roots are also a band that you could put anybody with, and it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, put CeeLo Green up there. I mean, you want a Super Bowl show? Put CeeLo Green up there with the roots. Yeah. You know, or uh, put Stevie Wonder with the roots. Or, you yeah, know, you it'll know. be interesting. Give it a couple of years. I would say give it maybe two to five years time. If they book Jay-Z for the halftime show, that's how you know they've crossed over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And they I may be waiting. You know, they're probably waiting until I think next year when the Super Bowl is in New York for Jay-Z. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would almost, I would almost guarantee at some point Jay-Z is yeah. going to be booked to do a halftime. Yeah. Uh, although that that did give me the idea, saying put the roots with anybody is what you need is because the roots were the roots were backing Janelle, right? Yeah. For, for stuff. So what I think you need is here. Here is the tour that I think would would make us all very very excited. Is you just do uh, Janelle Monet and uh, uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings and the roots like behind them all. So the roots and the Dap Kings form this mega backing band for Sharon Jones and Janelle Monet. Would you not pay, would you not give your left kidney to see that? I would, but I'd also put the roots behind Morris Day and see what you get. Oh, there's your opening act. Done. There you go. Yeah. Roots Fest. So. Make it happen. Quest Love, I know you listen. Make it happen. They could have saved Rick James' career too. Put Rick James in front of him. I mean, it's just, it, the roots are just such a great band. You can put them with anybody. You know, it's, 
it's really foolproof almost. It's kind of it's kind of good to have you know. I have an argument with people all the time when they say who's the best band in America. I usually sometimes will argue the Roots because I think the key of a great band is you can put anybody in front and they can do it and they do yeah. it all the time. You know, and I think that's kind of interesting about them, which is why I always think they should play as many sports. Like, and I thought it was cool. They played a hockey game. They probably aren't hockey fans. They probably don't. And it was in Philly, so I totally get why they did it. But, you know, they could have said, no, this isn't our thing. But they're smart. They got it, you know? Um, you know you know what was cool? And I just thought of this while you were talking about the Roots. Um, when, yes, when the NHL All-Star Game was played here in Atlanta, they booked the Hives as the opening band. Yeah. Which I thought was so cool. Yeah. It's the only time we, we will ever get the All-Star Game, but they booked the Hives. So that was yeah. cool. So that was our sports segment of the soundboard, and I hope we didn't uh, scare you all away. Don't worry, this will not be a reoccurring thing. But I thought it was just so weird, uh, the relationship between sporting events and music, that I at least wanted to bring it up somewhat. And uh, I hope I didn't panic you guys when I put that out. I, as I was typing that, Jan's like, you're going to scare Widge. I said, I'll explain it to him, he'll be fine. Uh, he used to ski. He'll be fine. <laughs> I used to ski. <laughs> yes, uh, I don't know if some eagle-eyed viewers, if you remember the uh, Wire World of Sports opening, the guy who tanked yeah. it on the ski jump, that was which? Uh, that, that was yeah. me, actually. Thank you for <laughs> bringing up that thing. Part that you of had been skiing. No, that yeah, part. no. That that is actually the only sport I'm any good at is snow skiing. Yeah. And where the fuck do I live? Exactly. So, yeah. but so, with the sports segment over, I think now we go to toughly with the weather. <laughs> well, now we move into the uh, geriatric home for making money on the podcast. And oh. again, they're just throwing this stuff at me. I'm just like, wow, you know, I I was kind of not excited about doing a 20, 2011, 2012 thing because I thought it'd be so redundant. But I'm like, we have so many great things to lead into it. Um, every year, Van Halen decides they have to tour. And then they have this <laughs> issue where they're like, oh, God, we have to get a singer. Who are we going to be nice to this week? <laughs> and clearly the answer to that question is everyone but the singer of Extreme. Um, so what I never, ever, ever thought I would see again in my lifetime has actually happened. And that is David Lee Roth and Van Halen are not only touring together. It's my understanding they have an album coming out. They do well. have an album coming out. It's supposed to be out uh, February. And as much as I grew up a punk rock indie kid, I have learned to appreciate the David Lee Roth, Van Halen era uh, backwards. I kind of got, you know, in, in my 30s, I started kind of got it, you know, that this was a great balls to the wall, glamour rock and roll band. Yeah. And the Van Halen stuff that I've heard that I've liked has always been associated with David Lee Roth. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these guys must really need the money because I just never ever thought one looking at david lee roth i mean my god i have more hair than david lee roth yeah and uh, two you know i just thought this would never ever happen it's like, well, this, Rob, is like this, this sky point, falling at this point i would rager you probably look better in assless chaps than roth does too at this point okay that image does <laughs> not need to be thought of by anyone listening to this podcast so moving on <laughs> definitely yeah. our two listeners just shut us off now thanks um Oh, but but Aaron's still listening. No, hey, don't pick on Aaron. <laughs> anyway, um, so just your thoughts on the new Van Halen thing. We should stress because 
people come to us for the knowledge. Uh, we should stress that this is not really Van Halen since uh, it is Wolfgang on bass. It uh, is not Michael not, Anthony. So yeah, it is this not, is why I turned to you because I was unaware of that. It is not the original Van Halen lineup because Michael Anthony isn't in it. So isn't he? That's right. He's in Chicken Foot or that thing with Sam Hagar, he's, right? He's, yeah, he's touring with uh, Hagar. Wow. He's touring with uh, he's touring with Hagar, so uh, he's in a band with him. So uh, it is not the original lineup of Van Halen. It is not the classic now, Van Halen lineup. How vital is he to being in that lineup to make it sound good? I mean, can they replace him with anybody, or is it like you take somebody out of a band and they don't sound anything like that band anymore? Well, it's technically, I mean, they are correct that it's you know still Van Halen because you know Eddie and Alex and well. Actually, Van Halen plus one because there was an extra Van Halen in it. Yeah. Uh, what, but, are they like uh, partridges? Do they just grow them? <laughs> it's, more, it's, it's more value for you, more Van Halen. But uh, you know, I don't know. I I don't know how good Wolfgang is on bass. I, I haven't I haven't heard heard him. A lot of people said on the last tour they did where uh, where it was uh, Roth and uh, Roth and uh, Wolfgang playing on bass that uh, he wasn't he he wasn't that great on bass. And that you kind of miss Michael Anthony's kind of personality. But um, I don't know. It depends on how the album turns out. Although, I believe they have a track out now. I think it's Tattoo is the name of the track. Yeah, that's on YouTube. Yeah. That's on YouTube. I think it went to... I, it, I don't think it's on Spotify yet. I'll take that back. I don't think it's on there yet. Um, but um, I've heard it. And it kind of... To be fair to Sammy Hagar, it kind of sounds like Van Hagar era. Okay. A bit. Um, but David Lee Roth singing it? With David Lee Ross singing on it, okay. which feels a bit weird. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it it depends on how people react to the record. Although, like I said, you know, the band could be on autopilot at this point if they've got if they've got uh, if they've got Roth out there. I mean, to me, I just kind of like I'm just kind of like I I would be just kind of like okay, I could care less. But these guys hate each other. I thought you know, and I just have to st- you know at some point when. Do these guys just say, you know, I hate this guy. I'm not doing this. No, you know. And, and I would imagine could, part of it. I would imagine part of it is a record company obligation because Van Halen probably still owes them some records. Yeah, that's true. I would imagine that were the case because you know, the last new album Van Halen had what was Balance when when Sammy was still in the band. I think that was the last full album they had. So. I'm I'm pretty sure they 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 owe a record company something. Although this is with Interscope and not Warner's, so I, that also makes me curious. Well, I, I think Interscope is on is a, is a branch of Warner, so it's still well. That's true. I just think they tier it on what branch you go on. Yeah. You know um, how good so, you are determines where. I don't I don't know how that structure works. Well, then anymore, again, it, then it, then again, it is highly likely that Van Halen owes somebody a record, so that could be it. I don't know. It, it it's just. I, I don't know. It's just one of these things. It's like, oh, you know, it's one of those seminal events that I figured, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then I read it. I'm like, really? Really? You know, I also think, you know, I also think it's one of those things that even, even, you know, Eddie and Alex at, at least are smart enough to figure out that there are only so many times mm-hmm. the older they get that they can, they can go out and do a major tour, you know? Yeah. Um, they aren't getting any older and they're not going to get that with Hagar and they're probably not going to get Michael Anthony back in the band. So they need to go out on the road. 
uh, and they need to do this big tour with Roth before yeah. they need to do an yeah. album and a tour with Roth just to say that they could do it. So, now that Roth is quote unquote clean and together, is the do you think that's better for the band? I mean, do you think he's just finally been humbled enough that? I hate to say this, and and I uh, to, I hate to say this, but no. When has sobriety ever helped? To be honest, what is you know Aerosmith? They were way better when they were stoned out of their minds. You know, uh, Bill Hicks the, would agree with you. The Rolling Stones way better when they were stoned out of their minds. Did you? You guys remember? You guys remember Steel Wheels? No, no, you don't. So, <laughs> you know, for some of these. For some of these classic bands, it's really better when they're jelly-brained, I think. <laughs> for those members of the PMRC who may be listening to our podcast, this is a reenactment of what Tuffy would say if he were perhaps not a fan of imbibing um, artificial substances. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. And I know we all, you know, we don't want dreadful things to happen to people, and I certainly don't, but, you know... To an extent, no, they're not better sober. They're just not. I just remember seeing David Lee Roth on Sopranos going, wow, it's come to this. Yeah. You know, and I have to wonder how his voice is. I have to, I mean, I, when I hear about stuff like this, I get fascinated about like, okay, are their hips going to function? Because yeah. how old are these guys? You know, are they going to be able Jesus. to kick? I mean, is he going to be able to kick during the jump without like his body yeah. breaking in two? You know, I mean... It's going to be CGI Roth doing those kicks now. I, th- I think he has a pinch kicker. I mean, do they have strings now that move them? I mean, you know. No, you know what they do? They get the dancers from a Mo- of Montreal set. You know. And they do it. At this point for Van Halen, it's almost better for them to sell their shit to Cirque du Soleil and, and move on. Oh, God. That's what all the smart people are doing. Jump the Cirque du Soleil show. Oh, God. oh no, no. No, would it be... What? Wait. Hot for teacher, the Cirque du Soleil. No, no, no. Oh. Would it be that or would they, would they just go with dreams as the title? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I didn't mean to put that image in, in anyone's head. I, I apologize. Oh, God. Now, now, now I will say this though. Uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, acrobats in assless chaps. That's, that's okay. Now, what's going to be interesting is that this is, this is what they believe is going to be the big tour of the summer. And, I, what? I think seriously. I think, yeah, this is supposed to be one of the top five tours of the summer. They they say this is one of the must-have tickets. Are there only oh, yeah. f- are there oh, only yeah. five tours this summer? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of the smart bands are are not get get the tour thing, and and they do it around the summer where they don't have to mess with it. But Look at who's going to be out there this year? I mean, what the uh, Guns N' Roses might still be doing some dates. Well, we shall get to that in a minute. And, uh, and Radiohead's doing, is, is doing like yeah. a major U.S. tour for the first time in years. So, yeah. I mean, Radiohead, Van Halen, who do you think's going to make more money? Probably Van Halen. Well, it depends. I don't, I can't remember whether, you know, or Jay-Z or Kanye or Bieber or any of those people going out on tour. Either. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think, I think Jay-Z and Kanye are going back out, but I think that's not going to be yeah. until later. You I know. think that's going to be after Coachella because I think, uh, which we'll mm-hmm. also get to later. But I think it's interesting with Van Halen that this is just one of those things like the second coming. You just never thought it was. A, this is a sign of the rapture. I'm convinced of it. But, um, you know, I just, 
you have to wonder at what point they 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 they've lost their integrity. I mean, it's just like, come on, guys, really? Here's, I'm perfectly here's... fine as a fan to say Van Halen was a great band. End of the day, you can find ways to make money off your catalog, license it for films, turn it into a you know, if, if they can have a Queen musical, they can have a Van Halen musical, you know, do license it for Carcover, do something, but for the love of God, don't put David Lee Roth out there in front of people if he can't do it, you know, and don't try to perpetrate the sham that you're getting along. I think more people are going to go see Van Halen waiting for the train wreck than actually waiting to see them perform. You and know, I think I that's think... also kind of sad. I think that's part of the reason people have been going to the last few Rolling Stones tours, based yeah. on the theory that this could be the, this could be, you could be at the show, Keith finally drops. Yeah. <laughs> Keith is going to outlive us all. Morbid, morbid person exactly. today. Exactly. No, no, no. Keith, Keith is going to outlast us all. It's, yeah. Keith, yeah. Keith is going to outlive us. He's going to outlive everyone. No, that's what and, I'm saying. After, after the Mayan calendar comes to an end and civilization is in ruins, you got basically three things. You got cockroaches, you got Twinkies, you got Keith Richards. Because actually, actually the Mayans predicted Keith Richards' survival, so it's in there. I know, because Keith Richards is at this point made of cockroaches and Twinkies. <laughs> God. Well, moving away from cockroaches and Twinkies and David Lee Roth and into <laughs> something also uh kind of frightening. There was an article this week from, I believe his name is DJ Ashbrook, who I have no idea who this guy is, but apparently he's a guitarist for Guns N' Roses. And he said that actually he is proceeding with, yeah, he is proceeding with, um, that Axel is proceeding with songs and they are confident that they can have a new record out within the next few months. And see, this is the kind of reaction that I get when I read it too. And I'm not even a fan of Guns N' Roses. And I just, I just laugh when I hear it. You know, the words Guns N' Roses and album, you know, it's like, there'll be a new Salinger book before there's a new Guns N' Roses book. <laughs> you know, um, thank you. Um, you know, it's just kind oh, of like, brilliant. really, you know, so I just kind of want your, uh, I don't even know who's in Guns N' Roses anymore besides, uh, besides Axel, but what yeah, I can no, tell I you, from my little appreciation of Guns N' Roses growing up, pretty much after the first record, and maybe You Will Be Mine from the um, Terminator yeah. movie, that was kind of it. That band, to me, and I am not a fan, and Tuffle, you had the metal years, so you can correct me, and I will be completely wrong. To me, that band died when Slash left. And, and I don't know if that's a fair misconception it, or not. It, it absolutely did. It did die when Slash left. Okay. Um, so I'm just curious... And, and I keep making this, you know, toughly talks about metal, but you're the guy. So is Guns N' Roses making a new record, which oddly, oddly, perfectly times with them going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, is that a good timing? And I guess it also means that we won't see Guns N' Roses playing together at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because why would the original Guns N' Roses line yeah. up play if there's a new record coming out? Well, right? and, and, and the thing, too, toughly to bear in mind is that that you're talking to Rob, who who just sh shortly ago never thought he'd see Van Halen with David Lee Roth again. So his faith has been shaken. So yeah. so he is he is actually coming to you wanting Although, to know because well, it I might happen. Like, actually, at the end of the day, could care less whether Guns N' Roses makes a new record. I just need to know when not to listen. There you go. But exactly. I I I think here's they the used thing. to be an interesting band. Even if you didn't like their music, or even if you like, 
I was never really a big metal person, but, you know, listening to like Sweet Child of Mine and even November Rain or even Paradise City, you, the guitar work on those records make you stop and pay attention. And there was, those, those were kind of seminal records because they made the average, no matter what you like to listen to, you would stop when you heard them and say, wow, this is really interesting or this is something I need to know about. And I just can't imagine that band ever getting where I could probably see Van Halen getting back that way because they, they all got along before and it's most of the old lineup and the people in the band basically know, know each other based on 30, 40 years symbiotically how they're going to react. This to me just seems like it's a big friggin' mess. And is it smart for Guns N' Roses to put out a new record? Or is there even going to really be a, a new Guns N' Roses record? Or is this more like, no, really, we're going to put out a new record and then we just all wait? Okay, to break this down, uh, number one, I think, uh, and Widge will appreciate this, I think Mar- George R.R. R. Martin will get at least two books out before you see anything about a Guns N' Roses <laughs> album for reals. Nice. Um, I-, I think Song of Ice and Fire may be over before the next Guns N' Roses album. Um, but I'm not Dr. Pepper, so I, I, I can't afford to place those bets. But, um, but, uh, you know, the other thing, the other thing is, is it smart for Guns N' Roses to put out a record this year? Well, unless it, it, unless it, the original lineup's on it, I say no. Uh, especially if they're going to be putting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because, you know, they're not putting the current lineup in, they're putting the Appetite for Destruction lineup out, lineup Which in. they should. Which they should. I don't, yeah. you know, Buckethead by proxy getting in the Rock and Roll World Hall of Fame. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, so I, I think number one, if there was going to be a lineup of Guns N' Roses that makes an album, it's not going to be the one this guy's in. Um, and I don't think Axel really wants to get back together with, with, with the original lineup, to be yeah. honest. Um, and I think most of the, uh, what, well, not the original lineup, but most of the second lineup is, is Velvet Revolver basically at this point. Um, yeah. And, 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 and actually Velvet Revolver may be more likely to have a reunion than Guns N' Roses. They're actually playing shows. Yeah. Yeah. They're playing shows with Wheeland again. So you may, you may get that before you get a Guns N' Roses reunion, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the thing that made Guns N' Roses really exciting was it's kind of sounded like metal, but it was punk. If that makes sense. It was to me I liked it because it was big and expansive. It was big and expansive and it had like a punk energy to it. They tried to look like metal, but you could tell that they were really they were really a bunch of punks and it sounded it sounded kind of like that crossroads. Yeah. Because they'd have this crossroads between classic rock and really fusing classic rock and punk to be honest uh and that's what kind of made guns and roses interesting and that guns and roses coming in when they did opened the door for bands like sonic youth and nirvana to come out like three years later and change everything now the big thing that bothers me and i and i know i'm being petty but on top of all this other if it's not the original band don't call it its name thing which drives me nuts they have really robbed us of one of perhaps the greatest things that could ever happen is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies, all the bands tend to jam or they always do something interesting. And it would be really, really cool to hear Slash and Flea play at the same time. Well, I think they're still going to do that. I think you'll still get the jam. And basically, um, everybody but Axel has said they're going to be there. 
has, has committed to being there. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a performance. You may end up for, instead of an actual Guns N' Roses performance, slash pick somebody to do one of their songs. Kind of like. Well, I could see him playing guitar on Fight for Your Right to Party. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Kind of like, kind of like what Madonna did a couple of years ago with, uh, with Iggy. You know, just getting Iggy to, Iggy and the Stooges to do a couple of her songs. Um, Mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses may do, uh, Slash may do that if Axel's not going to show up, which actually would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. can see. I would love to see Fishbone doing the songs of Guns N' Roses. Yes. Say, you internet. Yes. Internet says yes. <laughs> I would see Slash doing that. Actually, yeah. Slash. I know you're listening. Do that. Yeah. Actually, my in my perfect world, Slash plays guitar with Electric Mayhem, but it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, Dave Grohl playing drums. Uh, but, uh, nice. Yeah. So I, I, you kind of clarified me and calmed me a little bit with, with public, with, uh, Guns N' Roses, which makes me somewhat calmer as we move into, uh, our next topic briefly is public enemy, sort of the other half of the nineties seminal movement that sort of did also open the door for Sonic Youth and Nirvana. Chuck D announced this week that they are making not one, but two public enemy records this year. Um, and again, I feel old because public enemy is 25 years ago, put out their first record. Um, and it still sounds awesome. But uh, the first album they're putting out is called Most of My Heroes Still Do Not Appear on a Stamp. And I think the later part of the year, they're putting out The Evil Empire of Everything. Now, what makes this interesting is that the, at least one of the records they're working with G-Wiz, which I think could be interesting. But I also think, as weird as it sounds, to make a public enemy record work, you have to have Flavor and Chuck, and they got Flavor and Chuck. Yeah. So that makes me much more excited than hearing it's public enemy with just Chuck, you know? Because that dynamic know, really works yeah. for some weird reason. As messed up and weird as it is, it really works. And and also, uh, Flav isn't any less of a cartoon character than he's ever been. Yeah. So, you know, and Chuck is just as credible. Uh, if you've seen him do the, uh, the, the speaking engagements he's been yeah. doing. So, you know, it's never been about whether Chuck and Flav can, can make it work as a band because they do. Um, it's just the content of the songs. Um, the last, the last public enemy records have been so mediocre. Um, yeah. and it has nothing to do with whether or not Chuck can bring it or whether, you know, and let's be honest, the album, any public enemy album lives and dies on the fact of whether Chuck is actually there in the room or not. Um, whether they're both in the room or not when it happens. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the last couple of records, just the material has been so mediocre. So yeah. it's with public enemy, it's never an issue. Uh, of, I have a bit angry. Yeah. But with public enemy, it's never been an issue of, you know, is it any good? Because live they will be. Um, that's not an argument, but you know, usually the last couple of records have been really off. I wouldn't go see them tour on that on the, on that material though. Yeah, you know, so I mean, the last few records I liked were the ones where um, they had like "Give It Up" and "Can't Trust It." That's as far back as I go with liking PE records. I, I think mean, that was the one after "Fear of a Black Planet." I think ninety-one or ninety-two. I mean, yeah. everything after that's just been really, you know, but. You hear Chuck talk about Public Enemy now, and and which you know this because you you hear enough artists, both musically and artistically, and writers when they sound enthused about a project or a project that they're working on. Oh yeah, you can tell 
when it's legitimate. You can tell when this is not bullshit. At least we can. We're to the point where we can weed through the sort of, and I, to me, this is weeding through the bullshit meter of like, this is a guy that doesn't necessarily need the money, but this is a guy that has things to say and wants to get heard. And if that public enemy comes back that's relevant, then that's awesome. And well, I also I think... think it's great for rap because rap really sort of needs that right now. It's kind of gotten away from that. Yeah. Which is why I think there's a there's a huge door opening here, you know. Um uh, not that they need to reclaim anything, but it, they have a chance to make rap think about issues that rap used to think about yeah. back when it came out. And I think that's really important. Well, you've also got an election year. Uh, let's be honest. This is an election yeah. year and the biggest platform that Chuck has is doing a PE record. To be yeah. honest. It doesn't matter how many how many talking head shows he goes on. The biggest platform Chuck has that he can say exactly what he wants is Public Enemy, and he's going to do that in election year. Yeah. So, I thought I I I I it could go either way. It could it could be a really good record because you know Public Enemy records on election year maybe, yeah. um, or it could be you know we give Flav half the record and it's going to suck. So. You know, but again, it's the same thing kind of too as with watching Van Halen. You're gonna go, you're gonna go see public entity to see is yeah. the dynamic between Flava and Chuck gone. When the last time I saw public enemy, Flava Flav was 45 minutes late to the show and Chuck was doing all the rapping. He's like, Flav, where you been? And that was the whole on stage banner for the whole show it was like, where yeah. were you? You know, and I don't want to see that again, you know, but. I saw those those first two or three. I think the first three Public Enemy records when I listened to them were just so unlike anything I had ever heard in my entire life that I really want another generation to experience that magic again. You know, it's kind of like trying to explain to someone, you know, like the first time you heard the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or something like that. Uh, you want them to hear that so that they can understand, sort of culturally and texturally, why that band's relevant. You know, yeah. and I think that I, I, I mean, I'm rooting for the PE record to work far more than I am, you know, the Guns N' Roses or the, the Van Halen thing. But it is interesting how the 90s, you know, the last couple of years we've had all these 80s comebacks and now we're hitting the 90s comebacks again, you know, yeah. and a lot of the bands from the 90s that had something to say are starting to think about coming back. And will that voice still be relevant? And And I don't know. And that's what's kind of interesting to me. So, and sonically, you know, can Public Enemy musically not 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 the actual rapping itself, but the music, will it sound dated? You know, at a time when like rap records are merged with you know grindcore, dubstep, and electronica records, how does Public Enemy make a, a sonic album sounding in that era? You know, yeah, that the people listen to is you know. Are people listening to Takes a Nation of Millions now because of the message and because it's so vital and important? Or are listening to it because the beats are still good? I like it because the beats are still good, but... Well, I think that goes a long way, though. Yeah. If the beats are still good, that gets you into everything else. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's fascinating to see how that works. And... um <clears throat> Hopefully it'll work. Uh, Widge, do you have anything to say about the PE thing? No, I, I think you guys covered it. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's down to that, and we'll see what happens. And uh, again, I think Tuffley and I talked a little bit about this on Weekend Justice about the shock value of it. But it, 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 when we were growing up as as little music hoodlums, one of the uh, things that we thought we'd never ever see again would be a Stone Roses reunion. 
And I know we talked a little bit about this on uh, on Justice, but definitely I'm as kind of surprised by this as you are. But Stone Roses are going to do some dates in England in May. Yeah. And then if that goes well, I haven't heard anything. About, I, don't, I can't remember if they're doing a record or not. But I, I would sure as heck guess that if that goes well, um, they do probably at least two or three dates in America. But I think what's I think the funny thing about the Stone Roses thing is that. I, I think a couple of the guys have been actually been 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 kind of goading Oasis to do a reunion thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like great funny. if we can get back together. Come on. I mean, the the, the Britpop thing is sort of happening again. I mean, yeah. it's it's interesting because the Stone Roses are playing two shows in Manchester and they're playing football stadiums. Yeah, and you know, and they're playing these like sixty, seventy thousand seat venues, and. One of the places I DJ at, the guy who owns it is, is a mank. And he's like, you have no idea what is going to happen to that city when the Seven Roses play. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? He's like, you have no idea. So this is far more of a phenomenon in England than it is here, but it, yeah. it, it kind of bears mentioning because they were a band that made an incredibly awesome kick-ass first album, really hyped. It was slick in how it was presented with the Pollock art and how it was produced and how it sound and how you in know, a lot of people ways, got behind what? Yeah, in a lot of ways, they made Britpop possible. Yeah, at least in over here. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that kind of the Smiths sort of made them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they made Britpop uh, accessible in a lot of ways over there. Yeah. And you just have to wonder, based on how bad that second record was, does that band have any magic left in it? Or was this a band that had it in? Did they have their one day in the sun? But all the all the they were they came along at the right time in the right place and at the right moment to have their one hit record matter. You well, know, is this just is this a band that's got staying power, or is this a band that had its time and do and got lucky and has been riding the lucky horse? That's what that's what's going to be interesting about this. Now I, I have not heard this. Maybe you have. This doesn't include new material. This is just. Um, as far as I've heard, no. I, as far as I know, they're doing all it doesn't include new material because I think Ian Brown does have a solo record coming out. Yeah, uh, actually, a bunch Manny, of the guys have a solo record, solo record, solo projects coming out that aren't Stone Roses. I think really Manny big. left Primal Scream to do this, so I yeah. don't know whether that's a permanent leave or you know, is this coming back to do a couple shows, cash in, and then see where it goes from there. I don't know what this is. I mean, what is the next? Well, they move just after well, they just got finished doing the Scream uh, the the Adelica. Uh, Primal yeah. yeah, yeah, Primal Scream. So I think they're taking a break from that because they had talked about we're going to put a new record together uh, while they were doing that tour. So he's probably they they uh, may there may be a new Primal Scream record somewhere in the middle here, but I don't think. I mean, so far that I've heard, the Stone Roses thing is just a bunch of concerts, which yeah. I think they've determined internally. I think they've determined that if they can still do their outside stuff. And not do another Stone Roses record, which I think when you talk about the second record, like the Pixies. yeah, I think when you talk about the second record, that's the problem. That that's what killed that band was trying to get that second record out when they tried to do it. So I think they've kind of made the decision. Well, we don't have to do another record because obviously we can just tour every three years. <laughs> it, it is an incredibly strange phenomenon because I've never heard a band ride one record so hard. I mean, they re-released the one album as like the ultimate collection. It's just like yeah, my, every, my bloody, they had three greatest my, hits records. And yeah, that's all the first record. 
My Bloody Valentine did that last two years, I think. They tried, they, they actually toured. So, and they were like, nah, we're not doing another record. We're better off not doing another album. It, it, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm kind of surprised that this is actually happening, you know. But it's weird, because you get the Stone Roses and Blur both touring at the same time, you know. Yeah, it's re- and Pulp. Well, we're going to get the Pulp in a minute, but... yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. It's kind of an interesting time. And which did this, did you ever sort of get into the roses or you just kind of, uh, no, kind of shocked like we are? No, I actually, I, I, I did not get into them at the time, but I, after hearing the two of you, uh, go off on them, I think not only in justice, but on a previous soundboard, I, I did look them up and listen and, uh, I, and looked into the history like we talked about. And it is, it is, pretty bizarre and i think actually i'd i was more familiar with ian brown separate from them than anything else so because of the uncle thing oh yeah yeah because of uncle yeah yeah i think i think ian brown as as a person who makes music sort of wanted to go in different directions than the rest of that band did at the time yeah and i think his solo records are way more um they're all really different and they're all sort of they take a lot more risks and they, they, they fiddle around more with sound and in, in, in experimenting and how the records actually sound and the way he records them and things that so I think he's much more interesting as a solo artist. People give him credit. And I think he's one of those people that doesn't actually care about critical success. I think that he's probably made so much money off being in the stone roses that he could almost make any record he wants. Uh, and I think he's one of the few people that sort of can do that, which is kind of interesting. And, I don't think Tom York makes the solo head, solo radio records away from Radiohead if Ian Brown doesn't make records away from the Stone Roses that are strange and odd and weird. So, Stone Roses though, they're on tour. Um, I, I venture to guess these, these shows are in May, so they, they are after Coachella. But I would venture to guess that these shows in May go well, you might see them at something like Lollapalooza. And then maybe one or two American dates. Just my, just my hunch. I could be wrong. And we've talked about reunions and this is the band, uh, again, that's probably the most interesting reunion for me, uh, that I've heard about recently is Coachella. They announced the lineup for Coachella this week as well. And Pulp is playing. There's a couple other bands reuniting for that thing as well, but Pulp reuniting is a pretty big deal because I just didn't really think it was going to happen. So real quick, um, it's the festival season, so we kind of like to sort of mention them as they come along and talk about the festivals. And it's interesting experience to see how they formulate and what bands they get to do it and where everything goes. Because Coachella, it's in April, and to me, it sort of lays out the musical ground for the rest of the summer and the year. You kind of get the first half of the year, you know what's going to happen based on Coachella, and the last half of the year based on Lollapalooza, you can kind of tell who's got new records out. Well, who's hot? Who's not? Who's an up and comer? What's going to be interesting? And Coachella's doing some interesting things in that they're doing the same lineup over two different weekends this year, which is kind of weird, and that they've got a lot of interesting acts a little bit, and uh, it's in Indio, California. It's a huge space they play, and it's massively attended, so it's kind of interesting yeah. to see how this little empire has grown. Outside of Pulp, and I think you mentioned when we were doing notes at the Drive-Ins play. Oh, Yeah. As well, and you seem very excited about that. But looking this over the lineup real quick, um, what do you guys think? I mean, is this is this interesting? Is it 
sort of eh, or what's your read on, on Coachella for this year? Well, I'll also note refused as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just throw in, um, it's nuts. I mean, this is, this is like, it's like every other, uh, ADD. Yeah, it really is. It it's, is. It, it, it's, it's like every. And you have girl talk on the third night. Well, uh, you, you've got <laughs> schizophrenia and then girl talk. Th- this is, it, you know, you've got what it's, it's like every festival. Uh, okay. You know what it is? It's like every festival in the country. We're like the Voltron Lions, and they came together to form this, and this is Voltron. I mean, this is yeah. like, <laughs> this is nuts, because there's, I mean, you know, you know, uh, Arctic Monkeys and Madness the first night, and then you got uh, High Flying Birds and Shins and Andrew Bird and uh, Godspeed and St. Vincent. I mean, the Saturday is going to be insane. But th- this to me, you know what Buzz this Fox. is? Well, yeah, Buzz got, but this, you know what this is? This is literally like the... um uh, this is the musical equivalent of San Diego Comic Con in that there's too yeah. much shit going on. There's going to be too many people and you're not going to be able to see everything that you want to see. Cause I guarantee you there's going to be some overlap on Saturday that'll make you insane. Uh, you Which know, is why they why, do two weekends. That's why they're doing two weekends. Well, I, I, then you've then, so well, here's my question. Are you then, you're paying for, you're paying for it twice. That's going to be insane. Uh, well, hives and DJ Shadow and like you said, girl talking at the drive in. And uh, and then fucking oh, and they got fucking Nero Sunday fuckers, and I, I'm oh my god, it's insane. Can I just say, congratulations, you son of a bitches! You're making me put on fucking suntan lotion and go see this fucking thing. I'm so mad because I hope, I hope I, they make good on the pay per view thing this year because I, I I would just stay home. If they did that, I would do it too. But I'm really tempted <laughs> to go because hello madness. Yeah. yeah. Nero. Yeah. And Godspeed you Black. This is the yeah. only time I have well, in my life to see Madness. Well, didn't the, didn't the specials play, play at Coachella last year? Yeah, but it's not the complete specials. This is okay. the full lineup of Madness. Oh, right. Because it's the still full together. original lineup of Madness. And from people who have seen Madness over the years, the one thing that Madness has never done is compromise their live show. Yeah. So... You have the you have you have, the, you have madness and then these bands that sort of indirectly stemmed from madness like the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. And then you've got Godspeed and Nero and Saint Vincent, and I think Dear the Black God, Keys. That's a star. Yeah. Well, and and uh, Squeeze Saturday. Squeeze. And yeah. Vivac- now, this is going to be interesting because is this uh, is this Squeeze with the original lineup or is this? Yes. Jesus. So is a, 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 yeah, I know. I know. Is this included yeah. duels? Yeah. Oh wow! And, and and you guys, uh, the vaccines are Saturday as well. Yes. Okay. I, they're killing me. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sunday. Black Lips. Black Lips is on Saturday. Yep. Uh, just before the Buzzcocks. Which is great. See, and them, yeah. And it's <laughs> and the rumor is that the Devoto's coming. Oh. Which <laughs> I, I know. I'm trying to figure out. Okay. And this is the other thing about Coachella because you were talking about a bad Tuffley and Rob road trip movie waiting to happen. But you yeah. were talking, you were talking about how Lollapalooza you'll get some theater bands that come through town and everything. Okay, yeah. so we know, looking at this list, that all of these bands have to be in the United States for two weeks. Yeah, but they'll go to they'll go to they'll go to San Diego. They'll go to California. But they'll they'll do West Coast tours. I know some of these guys are going to play. I, I know at least one band is going to attempt to play here, though. Because we are a major airport hub. Hi. Um, so, 
So if one of these bands is going to try to play here, uh, I've been checking, besides the I, Black Lips. Well, I know Godspeed's going to tour. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fine with seeing them twice, you know. But seeing them in a big outdoor... Uh, I've seen Godspeed in a, in a room with 30 people. Now I want to see them, like, outside under the big starry night with the natural yeah. acoustics. I'm kind of seeing see how that goes. Yeah, the, the um, I want to see how dubstep me, sounds in a big yeah. in a big stage too. The bigger question for me is: the weekend is booked as one of the major acts, and um, he flaked on New York date. So I, I've seen a lot of talk about: is he actually going to show up? And who is this? I'm sorry. Uh, the weekend. Okay. Uh, the 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 guy from Toronto that's on all the Drake yeah. records and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'll talk about him a little bit later. But uh, they were uh. The, 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 the talk had been about he flaked on a New York date like last year, like a bunch of New York shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the big question is, well, he's in a major spot in this, this thing, uh, if he's going to actually show up. I'm sure for what they're paying him, someone at the label, it, it will be the get me to the Greek guy that makes sure that guy shows up. The funny you thing know? is, he's not signed to a label right now. You've got to have a handler. <laughs> Someone from Coachella will make him the handler. <laughs> you know. Uh, we were promised jetpacks, apparently, too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, here's the thing. I saw the Coachella light up, and I said, okay, honey, just give me five bands. And she's like, I can't. She's like, I'm like, why? And she goes, because you will see this, and you and Tuffley will have some bizarre trip planned. <laughs> And I'm, I'm actually looking into it, but I'm just like, God, I'm going to sleep in a tent. Jesus, no. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, that that's it for me, is that I, basically it's it's 300 bucks, and there's going to be all the people and tents, and I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm fine. Now, that being said. I will use frequent flyer miles. I will work the system to get a pass. I will stand in 3,000 crowds of people if I'm I have totally, to. I'm totally if I have to do it for you option. I have satellite. Yeah, I would do a pay-per-view option too, but I'm just like party at your place, Tuffley. I'll pitch in. If it comes, if it if it was ever the closest I've ever come to thinking about actually going to something like this, this is it. I mean, this is like, Uh, Rob. All I can tell you is, I'm almost considering skipping Dragon God to go to Coachella because I can't do both. (laughs) Rob, Rob, I'm just uh, all I want to say is, if you do go, video video diary, you gotta. Yeah, and the thing is, there's people that will fund you to do that, and that's what I'm trying to get. You need, know, I'm need trying. Coffee, need coffee presents Rob's Diet Coachella Diary, day four. Help me! <laughs> Still pinned under collapsed tent. Well, the thing, the thing about this though that does worry me is the other thing I brought it up, which is the reason why I'm not going. Where I'm thinking about not going is that with all these bands, all this running around, you're going to do to see all the bands, you know. One, there's the asshole factor that no matter how great the lineup is, there's always some group of assholes that ruin the experience for you. Two, it's such a pain in the ass to get to. And the other thing is that it's just like you're going to get there, and it's almost so much. You're going to be so exhausted by Friday night that how are you going to sit through Saturday and Sunday? Well, then the other thing I think about, because don't the Coachella people, don't some of the Coachella people, or is it the exact same people that, that do Bonnaroo? And, to, and I think Wildflooza to a certain extent. And Lollapalooza, so you can kind of take a guess that a lot of these same acts are going to be yeah. at at least one of those. 
Yeah, and I'm trying to find out who's playing Lollapalooza because if I have to choose, I'll go with the 40 minute. You know, the, uh, the they'll the probably four hour drive to Chicago. First. They'll probably go well, the first. Yeah, well, the thing about Chicago is that it's like it's close enough to me. Yeah. That I can get there cheap, and then I know enough people to where they have it, to where we can leave during the day, go to someone's house ten minutes, a day, ten minutes. We can go stand outside, go get some air conditioning and some water, and then come back. You know, whereas this is kind of like you can't. You're there. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, everyone says it's an experience you have to do once, and I'm like, yeah, probably not. But now, I'm sons of a bitches. <laughs> it's almost it's almost like it's almost like someone sat in a room and said, "Let's put all the bands in a room that like everyone between twenty five and fifty five would want to see live, you know." <clears throat> and it's just like, damn them. All right. Well, so now, you realize you realize the other reason that they they've so stacked this Coachella because there isn't a Glastonbury this year. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and Rob, Rob, let me ask you this. You get, that's why you get at least Radiohead on board because they were. I know Glastonbury's been trying to get them back, um, but yeah. there is no Glastonbury this year, so that's no. why a lot of these acts are on the bill. So, Rob, let me I, let me ask you this: Yeah, given the lineup the way it is now, and and that you are teetering, that, that yeah. it's so good that you're almost willing to go through it. Let me just yeah. let me just get on record: what is what is the tipping point? What is the band that if they suddenly announce themselves as joining the lineup, that you're like, oh fuck, I'm done. Well, one, the, one, the two would never happen. Okay. Yeah, you, th- you thought the, that about first, Van Halen. I'm just saying. Well, no, they, they can't. The first would be The Clash, which will not happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, if Joe Strummer were alive, it's a whole new ballgame. Okay, I'm not talking the, about the dead. I'm not talking about people I know, who are I know, dead. I'm just All saying, right. The Smiths would probably be the deal breaker. And I think Tuffley would drop everything also, almost. You think about Every it. single year, if I understand this correctly, the Coachella offer organizers money. Offer, offer Morrissey and yeah. Johnny Marr shitloads of money. And they even make the condition that you don't even have to get the other two guys. It could just be you two. Just find yeah. two other people. Don't even call it the Smiths. Just come out. And they say no. Yeah. Now, what mystifies me, and again, I'm playing fanboy here. They have these festivals with all these great sort of bands that are coming back and playing. Yeah. And you're going out of your way to bring in some hip-hop people and stuff, too. I get it. But I have to wonder, with the people that run the festivals, there's two bands. Two! They would be great to bridge, as bridge line, as bridge artists for all these bands that they never invite. And I have to wonder why. The first is Living Color. For the love of yeah. God, that band was horribly underrated. Um, st- I know they still somewhat get along and they tour and no, they're back. I mean, they they, could... they've done two albums. So yeah, and I still think that band could put on a 45 minute show and be relevant and interesting. No, well, the they, other one they, is... they, well, hang on. Let me just stop you there. They, they okay. did do a CBGB's, uh, set that they released as a CD and I could confirm they get along. It's enough. Well, uh, enough to do like an hour and a half set. And it was great. So let me just echo, yes, Living Color, anywhere, anytime, please. I don't understand why that band's not in any of these festivals. Seriously. And then <clears throat> also Fishbow, because yes, the thing you want Didn't at a Fishbow festival like Coachella. Did Coachella last year? Did they? I don't, I don't think they did. Last the year thing or the is, year before, they were one of the smaller stages at that. Well, they shouldn't be on a smaller stage. If you want a band yeah. that's going to go out there and get a crossbreed of people that listen to white funk, hip-hop, rock and roll and electronica and you want them all to fucking dance the one band i know that can make any group of people dance is fishbone 
because they can, they can go, they can do anything, and maybe the roots, depending who was with them. But I just don't understand why these guys aren't on that level. I mean, I know that they weren't the greatest band in the world of the 90s or whatever. I get it, you know. I get that they're quote-unquote a cult band. But both Living Color and Fishbone had very solid, devote fan bases. And those guys, when they play, now I haven't seen Living Color in years. Yeah. But I can tell you that when I saw Living Color, they busted their fucking ass, and it was one yep. of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. And I can't imagine. And I saw them play with the Chili Peppers, and that was like there was not an opening band when they well, played here's, with the Chili Peppers. Here's another I mean, trend. Here's another trend that I've noticed in not the festivals, but yeah. uh, in in I think and I think Metallica's done this where it's been Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and another band, and they mm-hmm. tour. They do these yeah. big tours where it's like the four bands. And I've noticed recently that a lot of bands that have been in the same genre have done that recently, uh, have done like the Metallica, the Monsters of Rock thing, yeah. um, which I would be I would be curious. I would pay good money to go see, you know, Fishbone and Living Color and Faith No More. And well, not even that. If you're talking about across the genre. Yeah. And what you do is here. Here's here's bad some, brains. Well, no, no. Here, here's something it's that that is a combo. To right. Well, here's what here's something that we would all want to go see is just put Madness and Fishbone on heading up a ska tour. Yeah. And we would all wet ourselves. I mean, I would. I don't. I don't want to speak for you yeah. guys in your bladders. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird because I don't love a lot of ska, but the ska <laughs> I do love. Oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah. You know. Uh, but you you mentioned other bands we'd like to see. I mean, the Buzzcocks with the original Buzzcocks. I'd like. Um, the undertones I'd like. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, it's like you know, there's so many bands coming and going now that it's hard. It's hard to say that anymore. I mean, which is the other? Oh, Pink Floyd, obviously. Hello. Um, or even two of them. <laughs> well, I think the you're getting to that is going to be uh, Waters showing up. I mean, uh, Gilmore showing up to a Waters gig. Yeah. Which. It, which we've been warned could have happened, which we talked about in the last show. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so it's interesting because there's Coachella is now really trying to make efforts to reach out to people that they have. Every year they try to get new audiences. And to me, it's interesting when they release the lineups, how are they trying to get new audiences? And I'm like, God damn. I mean, really? I mean, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I need to go. I need to go. I need to go. And then I start and I have to stop and say, okay you know that three of the bands you want to see are going to play together at the same time. You know it's outdoors, and it's whatever it is during the day. It's like 110 a day and yeah. 40 at night. Yeah. Then you know that these bands are going to tour anywhere else, you know, blah, 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 blah. So then you have to sort of stop and use your reasoning. However, if anyone is a pure adrenaline live music junkie, this is pretty great. I mean... It's the comic I, I, music. Yeah, I think you've just well, I, I tend there. to think, and, and and I don't know what necessarily whether that's a good thing, which is the other point I wanted to bring up, is that a lot of these festivals have just come to the point now where it's like Comic-Con, where it's just a business of getting them all in the same room. They phone in 45 minutes, up, they take your money, and that's the platform to roll out everything else they're doing. Or is it a sincere grassroots festival anymore that celebrates music? I mean, that's... Not that the people that run Coachella aren't sincere, because I think well, okay. they really do passionately okay. care about Let's... music and want to roll that out. But is this becoming the comic con of music? Because I think it's a fair argument to, to ask. To go, to go by your method, let's just break down this a little <laughs> bit, because I'm looking at it. Black Keys just released a record, so they'll be touring on it. Yep. Uh, refused With the Arctic or... Monkeys. 
Yeah, with so the Arctic Monkeys. The, yeah. So they're going to be on the same tour. Uh, Refused has a new record coming out. They've threatened a new record. Mazzy Star has a new record coming out. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. At the Drive-In is going to be having a new record coming out. Uh, really surprises me. I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, uh, the Shins, the Shins will have a new record out, I believe, next month. Yeah, uh, High Flying Birds just had their record High out. High Flying Birds just had a record out. Uh, let's see. Andrew Bird has a record out every year. Andrew Bird, well, Andrew Bird has three records out every year. So, <laughs> and there's a documentary about him coming out. Uh, Pick it up. Uh, St. Uh, Vincent just did one, right? St. Vincent just did one. Kaiser Chiefs have got one coming out around that time. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 what about Weekend's, what, weekend's what, probably going to put a record out. The Hives have a record coming out. Uh, DJ Shadow just put a record out. Nero just put a record out. Nero just put a record out. Santa Gold's record's going to be out around that time. Uh, so yeah, actually, Rob, you're just about right. They're there to promote records. They're there to promote the records that are about to come out. Madness probably has a record coming out too, which we that, should all be excited about. That, that would that would be great. I don't know that for a fact. I, I didn't see them on uh, prepping for the 2012 look ahead. I didn't see them yeah. on any rumored list, but that would be really nice. I mean, yeah. the, the last one came well, out of nowhere. So the one thing that Madness has been doing though is they've been doing these catalog remasters. Yeah, and they're actually really nice. Mm. So that could be it. That could be it. They may be, but they may be doing. Their they're catalog. also a band that hasn't played any. I mean. You know, the Pogues have been touring the U.S. forever without having a record coming out yeah. for a while, too. And Madness is maybe looking at that going, let's see how we, you know, we haven't played over here. And it's a West Coast, so they've always been bigger on the West Coast than on the East. So, you know, let's see, they could very much be, let's test the waters in America and see where we are, you know. Actually, I think they played here at least once on the, the, for the promote the album last time. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't done they haven't done yeah. a high profile thing over here yeah. in a long time, you know. Um, and you talk about an interesting band. I mean, it's just they combine so many things, you know. And I, I think which is right putting them on a tour with Fishbone would be interesting. But again, you know, there, there's a lot of these really sort of interesting band. You know, the Cult is kind of the same way where. They sort of fuse that sort of goth metal thing, but they're kind of an, one of those bands you can put in there with Living Color that could sort of fit as a in-between band. Yeah. And some of these festivals too, you're going from seeing, you know, like Drake to like, you know, something completely just bizarre. Like, you know, you're going from like seeing Drake to Destroyer or something, mm-hmm. you know, or you're probably going from like Godspeed You Black Emperor. To Kanye, you know, <laughs> and I'm hoping that you know, at least when they when they planned out the original Lollapalooza festivals, Lollapalooza festivals when they toured, they actually thought about the, the order of the bands and how they progressed and what they were doing to the listener, and the, as the show went, uh, so it kind of made sense where they slotted people. And this, I'd like to think they think of that, but I bet it's also slotted on. Well, when does this band have to get out of town? Well, the yeah. other thing is, the other thing is that we haven't seen yet is the schedules and what stages they're going to be on. Because if it's like yeah. Coachella, because what, what the beautiful thing about what Coachella does, if you watch like any, the coverage for any amount of time when they, uh, stream it over the internet is they will, if you look, if you look down at the stage breakouts, they will have like, they'll have like CeeLo leading up to the same stage. Beyonce is going to headline the same night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have, so they have that kind of progression of stuff that fits. Good. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little leery. Before I buy a ticket, I want to see what they, or before I work it for a ticket, 
because to me, spending that kind of money for a ticket is just insane. So I Even think what you're looking yeah. for is probably the schedule and what stages they're <laughs> they're, they're going to be on. Yeah, I mean, I have to know that because really, if I'm going to go there and like have every band I want to see all play at once, and I have to stand, I go fuck, then God help them. Um, you know, it's like excuse me, Mr. Suggs, can you move your show an hour ahead so that I can see you? That'd be great. Yeah, like they're going to listen to me, you know. <laughs> um. And that's why I think it's almost too good to be true. But I, I saw this, and the Comic-Con sort of analogy kind of works, is that it's sort of like, um, it's a very interesting blueprint, you know? And it's a big industry thing, too, now. I mean, yeah. most of the people going are all industry people now. And so that's part of the reason they're doing two days, is that there's so many industry people that go that it takes up, like, I think, 30% of the tickets. Just to like people with labels and mm-hmm. marketing companies, and you know, like if Nike buys a, a a thing, then all the Nike people go. And there are some companies that will send their whole office to Coachella to go party for a weekend. You know, so there's a lot of that. So then ex- actually expanding it to a second weekend makes them a ton of money. Yeah. You know. Um, and I would not be I would not be surprised if Bonnaroo attempts to take this if this approach works that Bonnaroo will try this a couple of years down the road because I, like I said I think the Coachella <laughs> people and the Bonnaroo people I think are are some of the same people that run it so if this well, works think... if this works as a model yeah. uh, that that Bonnaroo will try to do two two weekends as well and I think which will be interesting with Lollapalooza too yeah uh, because I think from what I understand Perry Farrell sort of is attached to with it with his name and he's involved, but I still think that the that main company runs everything. Yeah. Well, and, and, but, but uh, what I think, but what I think you're getting, uh, especially particularly with this lineup, Co- Coachella is going for all the marbles because there is no Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Olympics. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, here's my other question: is if you've got these people who are booked for both weekends, yeah, i.e., all these acts then pretty much everyone west of the Mississippi needs to be looking for their favorite band to be playing sometime during that week, right? Well, if you live in a major airport hub, hit hint. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, like, with for me, I, I, I get... Tell it, Atlanta, get, look out. We get the... It must be already in the States. We get the, the runoff from Lollapalooza because we'll get bands that are playing, like, if they play Lollapalooza on a Friday and their other shows on a Tuesday, we'll get a show you know, kind of put in. So like Minneapolis, St. Louis, Kansas city, uh, some of those cities get, you know, the week before and after Lollapalooza, we get some of the runoff of bands coming or going from that festival. Um, bands coming over from England. I'm not sure if they're coming to Atlanta, you know, is madness going to do a show in Atlanta before they go to LA or they are going to go to New York and do a show. I mean, that's the only thing, you know? Oh yeah. Which, Oh, (laughs) So I, I Mathis was down to, down to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, my sorry ass calls in every, every place I know. Hi. <laughs> Can I use your floor? Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think you have an interesting point, Tuffley, about, you know, the cities that have major hubs are going to reap the benefits of it. But at the same time, I think they're careful about how, what those bands can and can't do either. You know, well, I automatically know we're getting up black lips. So, you know. I, what was, was, what's interesting to me though is that, like, there's a whole culture that springs up around Lollapalooza when they're in Chicago, yeah. that like, if a band's playing, like, if Mazzy Star's playing at three o'clock on the Lollapalooza stage, they'll put on an eight o'clock show somewhere else yeah. so they can keep all the money. Yeah. So, 
there is a lot of that little sub, and it's almost worth it to go to Chicago the week of Lollapalooza, like for the weekend of Lollapalooza, and go see the bands, but not go to Lollapalooza. We did that one year. Well, Rob, we you're you're the one who clued me into that, which is why I was saying, you know, watch watch the skies. So, yeah. like in the coming weeks, which just keep hitting up the Variety website, the Variety Playhouse website, and see how many bands they book for like mid-April. You and me both, buddy. <laughs> well, what's interesting? I mean, you look at Polestar for the week around Coachella, it's really blank right now. Yeah. You lot. I mean, I know that like the Black Lips and the Monkeys are coming here after Coachella. So they're off that list. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm going to see them. So that's off the list. Radiohead's coming here. That's off the list. I don't need to see that. Um, so there is some of that you're already piecing together. Yeah. But there's still things like, am I going to see Pulp? Am I going to see Madness? You know? The people that want to see at the drive you, you know. Pulp's probably not going to tour because Jarvis is probably going to tape his sixth music show. Yeah. I would imagine. So I would imagine uh, Pulp isn't actually touring. You know, but it's still pretty cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if the only reunion acts they got are quote-unquote Pulp and Madness, it's still pretty great. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, But again, you know, if you want to lead in, I'm just saying, living color, fishbone. It can happen. <laughs> Faith no more. Please play in the states sometime. Thank you. Oh, uh, and, and I will. I will throw this out just because you mentioned Living Color, and then we can move on. But I, I, I sort of started looking at the um, <coughs> Variety Playhouse website, and uh, April nineteenth, and that's in Atlanta, right? That is in Atlanta. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, I've never actually been to that venue, so I have no idea where it is. It is, is a Atlanta. fantastic venue. Um, it's, but okay. it's like down the street from Criminal, sir. But what's what's funny is so in March before Coachella, what do we see? But Andrew Bird, Band of Skulls, and Magnetic Fields. Yeah. Uh, oh no, and Magnetic Fields is uh, April fourteenth, which is is uh, the day of. Uh, now uh, were they not on the list? Were they with the one band no. not on? The, okay, for some reason They're I thought on the list. But you do have uh, Galactic featuring Corey Glover uh from Living Color, the lead singer, mm -hmm. and uh Corey Henry of the Rebirth Brass Band. Yeah. Playing April nineteenth. So worth watching. But yeah, a lot yeah. of their a lot of their dates are open. Just watch saying. place people in Atlanta. Places to watch for mid April. Watch for announcements. For I would watch house. like Atlanta I would watch Atlanta, Dallas, Minneapolis, Chicago. Yeah. Um they don't really do much with the Southwest. Yeah. You know, obviously New York, you know, New York, Boston, D.C., Atlanta, probably, and Philly, probably on the East Coast, and probably Chicago, Minneapolis, Dallas in the Midwest, and Austin, and then probably maybe Denver and Portland, and then, then the coast cities on the, on the West Coast. And see yeah. Yeah. You watch, you can watch like places that have multiple venues, like Tabernacle, that'll make quick announcements. Uh, Smith's Old Bar will make quick announcements. Uh, Center Stage and Vinyl make quick announcements. Yeah. So watch the skies for that stuff mid-April because they can still make quickie announcements. Yeah, and to me, if I'm looking to see where a concert is, I check Polestar, which yeah. for the most part is pretty accurate. Um, and it's fun because you can pick by date. Like I know if I'm going to a Dragon Con every year, I look yeah. every couple months, the days before and after, and, and you know, sort of find shows. Um, if there's something you want to see, and it's a, it's an interesting way to do that too. Plus, you know, it, it is kind of the, the the idea of how they plan out tours for bands is actually kind of interesting to follow. Yeah. It's like, well, why are they? You know, it's a whole new. It's sort of like a weird form of train spotting, but it is fun. So, um, I'm sure we'll be talking about Coachella a little more as we lead into the touring season. 
in future editions of the soundboard. And then we'll get the Lollapalooza and we'll kind of, you know, that'll be the latter half of the year. And this is the first part. So this is kind of, kind yeah. of indicate who the big records are that the industry is banking on. Because I think what they do is the records of the first half of the year, they think are going to be big. They'll put yeah. a Coachella, the ones that are still big and the ones that are going to be big in the second half, they put on Lollapalooza and Bonnaroo. Well, what I music think- Midtown, music Midtown scored black keys and Coldplay because that's when they thought the records were coming out. Hmm. Which was last September. Yeah. Which is like three weeks after Dragon Con. <laughs> That's not bad. You know, no. um, now is M83 playing? I can't remember if M83's playing that or not. M83 no, they're is playing. playing, uh, yeah. Cause I'm seeing them here too. I mean, there's certain yeah. bands that you know are gonna, are just gonna be hot. Yeah. And I know the Chemical Brothers are getting ready to tour the U.S. as well. So, there's, there's a whole lot going on with, with, you know, not just, I, I tend to think that Coachella sort of kickstarts the music industry, again, using the parallel in the same yeah. way that Comic Con sort of kicks off the film industry. Um, so watch the papers of your favorite city and check. If and again, been. yeah, again, too, I should mention that if you hear any of these artists on, you know, as we talk about Coachella and you're kind of like, I don't know who they are, but I might want to check them out, go to Amazon through the Need Coffee site and you can check out the bands through Amazon, but do it through the Need Coffee site so we get kickbacks and we can do things like this podcast for you. So we do want to mention that. So moving on to the main topic of this edition of the Soundboard, it's interesting how everything sort of bleeds into this, but looking back at 2011, it really was an interesting year, uh, good and bad. I mean, we've touched on it in other podcasts. We don't need to go on it again. We lost a lot of really great musicians and we lost a lot of other uh, really great bands like Sonic Youth that broke up and all of that. But we are uh, one of the rare times going to look at the positive <laughs> of the year. <laughs> and um, it really was. Positive. I, I think more so than 2010. I think 2011 was much more across the board creatively, creatively rather, and um, a much better creative music year. I think there was the music that was out there was much more interesting and innovative and I think relevant than it was in 2010. So we're going to look at 2012 in a little <laughs> bit and all the stuff that got us excited for, th- for this year. But I think we should sort of look back at uh, 2011. And since Tuffley and I have sort of been yabbering the whole podcast, I feel bad for which um, I'll let you start. Um, what about the year 2011 in terms of records and music and stuff you heard really got you excited or what sort of memory stuff do you have of the year that you would like to impart upon uh, the soundboard? Uh, well, two things. First of all, our unofficial sponsor, Spotify came to the United States and fucked up my world forever. Um, your world. Yeah, I know. Well, well, but let me, again, again, they You're are welcome by the way. They are the new Napster in that I have bought more music since Spotify hit than I was. I was fine. Spotify. I was fine before you showed up. Now I actually want to buy music like left, right, and center, you fucks. Um, because, you know, I, I know that people are like, oh, well, you know, Spotify, it's just going to take away money from our music label. You know what? Nope. If your music's good, I'm going to want, uh, f- first of all, the Spotify premium is a nice concept, but I, I don't know about you, but I don't trust wireless and I don't want to run up any of my data plans yeah. with, with downloading, uh, stuff, yeah. you know, streaming stuff. I want stuff on my iPod. 
So the five by, bucks is the cost of a daily deal. So yeah, yeah. Done. But but it's like so so for example, here here's how it works. Rob, because he knows that I have my second thing that was for me in 2011 was discovering this whole dubstep glitch music whatever core i don't know fucking it's got Sorry. 16 fucking names that all to me sound like they're the same we'll i mean call it dubstep because it, it homogenizes garage and thank you thank stuff. you but, yeah. but but i mean is it just me or do you listen to the the dub core or the something you just go i can't fucking you've gotten so granular at this point you know, i can't either yeah because because no. you know what it is it's basically they're doing uh, now from a marketing standpoint it's smart because then you could go well he's the grandfather of dubstep core glitch because yeah. because of course you are because you just fucking made it up but I anyway love i love the quote uh, I, I read an interview with moby recently where yeah. he refers to all of it he says people that are of a certain age just refer to what we used to call electronica as edm electronic dance music and that encompasses all of the I like that. electronic music that isn't rap I like, like I, I do like that. Kind of, that is kind of what I use as my model. I, I like you know? that, but I will say I will say that that when you get into dubstep, there is something there is something different in that yes. for me, the stuff of Moby I like because it is repetitive, but it's it's not annoying. In that and it's melodic. Yeah. It's it's melodic. Whereas with dubstep, it literally is it is like the inside of my head in that it's kinetic. It, it's kinetic and it it's never the same twice. But it it doesn't it doesn't become noise. So it's it's an amazing thing where they've they've they're literally teetering on the brink of just becoming out and out sonic anarchy, but they don't they don't flip over. So to me, I think dubstep there's EDM, but there's but there's dubstep, and I agree, dubstep yeah. can cover all that shit. But anyway, so here's how it works with Spotify. Rob, kindly sends me, hey, if you like this stuff, you should go check out A, B, C, D, and E. And one of them is Skrillex, which I had not heard, but apparently they're fucking huge because I miss everything because I don't listen to the radio. Sorry, Rob. But I... It's okay. No, no, I know, but I always feel like I have to apologize. Anyway. No, but, you don't. It's fine. But but anyway, so... But, You're but, busy man. But no, it's not even that. It's just that literally I, I can't... I get... I, I would like to control my own music is the thing, which is why, which is why I don't listen to Pandora. But anyway, so... Yeah. I, uh, so, so yes, I get onto Spotify, I listen to Skrillex and I go, holy fuck, this is great shit. So, but then I realize, you know what? I want to listen to this in the car. So you know what? I go to Amazon and I fucking buy it. That's how it works. You fucking morons. You get, you yeah. like the music and you go buy it. You stupid labels. So all and you I, people that remove yourselves from yep. Spotify, you can go fuck yourselves into obscurity. And I had heard the kill everybody Skrillex song in a club, right? And I said, well, I think I know what this is, but I'm not sure. So I went to Spotify, <laughs> found it, did the same thing, bought it online. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that Spotify is the one united thing, no matter what type of music fan we, you are. And the three of us are very fundamentally different in how we listen and enjoy music and what we get. I never thought I would be in a position where I'd have to buy more music. But... <laughs> <laughs> It is painful. <laughs> How does that go again, Rob? Painful. Ah. I have made it's it's kind of like um, before I joined Me Coffee, I'd go to the panels, and you guys would talk about all the films or books, and, and, you, and you write everything down that you think, oh, I need to I need to check this out, right? And that and, and this would be long, you know. Or you go to the comic store, and your favorite guy at the comic store recommends like ten comics, so you talk to Rox, and she gives you like fifteen fanzines, and you write it all down, you know. Which I think is good and therapeutic, and you post that on your wall, and you kind of get to it when you can. 
And now that's Spotify. Spotify. You may, well, yeah, you may, I have a long list right now of, hold on. Cause it's, um, I make sure to do it in 25 so I can always count. <laughs> 328 different things I want to get to on Spotify. Of yeah. Bands and things I've yeah. about. Right. Yeah. Now, to be fair, some of that includes like when we just talked about Orson Welles interviewing H.G. Wells, things like that. So there is some of that on there. But, um, it levels the playing field. Now, the thing that's interesting with me about Spotify, and I don't mean to jump in on, on which is no, go, 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 go. I had heard about it from all my friends in England forever. Yeah. I kept hearing, me You're too. I'm going to love this when it comes out. And I got tired of hearing everybody talking about it. Like, fuck, just give me the goddamn thing. You know, right. it sounded too good. It's one of the times when something sounds too good to be true. And it really is. Um, to be fair, I will listen to an artist on Spotify. I, I tend to believe in supporting the artist. So like if I read somebody's work on the internet and they have published it in a book form, or if I hear them do a reading and I like it, I want to, even though I could tape it or whatever, I want to physically own it to support the artist and have the physical copy for the artwork and just all of that. I like to have that because one, I think it supports the artist and two, someone busts their ass to make this stuff. You should be respectful and not just, you know, well, you, you have to pay now, for a project a because otherwise project B won't happen. Exactly. Yeah. And Spotify is also a great filter because when you DJ in a club, for example, if you, and I don't do all dance music in clubs or whatever. Right. But if you are like, Somebody that plays trance or house or techno. There's so many records out there that if you bought every record that came out without a filter, it, oh. the number of, I mean, it takes away the crap records factor that we had in the nineties where you buy all these records and you thought yes. they were great and then they're crap. Yes. So, or what I call the print of radio gods factor. So, <laughs> uh, but you could be forgiven. You could forg be forgiven for that because that one song was so fucking good. I mean, uh, I know. But anyway, but, you know. but no, I mean, that you're absolutely, the filter term, that's, that's what Napster was for, for people who like music. Now, the yeah. people who are going to steal music are going to fucking steal music, no matter what you fucking do. But Napster at least lets you sample it and not even just like, you know, go to Amazon and you get 30 seconds of a song, which I don't know if, about you, but I need at least 45 to 50 seconds. I mean, that's I just me. Minute and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with, now, now, sometimes I need a minute and a half, because if you can get me in like the first minute, then I'll listen to the rest of the song. But if, mm -hmm. but if I'm bored, I, I'm, I have, I have ADD in that I just, I can't, I don't have time for you. Because again, like you, Rob, I have thir 328 things to get to, so you need to get my attention. But I mean, Napster was my filter. And, na and, and not only, but a filter, but also, it's not even filtering what you want to listen to, but, but pushing more things towards you that you want to listen to because fuck you Spotify and your related music information. Oh my fucking God. What the hell? How, I used to, you know, maybe I, I thought I had no free time before. Jesus Christ. You go. Oh, and, and, and have you started playing with the apps yet? No, shut up. Toughly. Shut up. Toughly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, but all, all of that to say, but that's, that's how it worked. And so, so, so between Spotify and, and me discovering dubstep, those were the two things that I, that I looked to 2011 as being the most positive. Um, now, uh, t so should I, should I throw out some albums and songs or are we doing the events? Sure. For, okay. Uh, well, first of all, I'm curious, what does Cosette think of your, of your dubstep thing? Sure. Okay. 
number one, she's not a huge fan of the genre because it is a bit cacophonic, you know. Okay, uh, she, there there is someone that, that if we ever play our records at the same time that she can hang out with. Okay, okay? good. But 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 uh, <laughs> but she she likes it because it makes me happy. Um, we need, you know what we need to do, and I think this was suggested the last time. We need to have an episode where our wives do this. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. I like that. I'm good with that. I will pitch it. I'm pitching it. Uh, Rob, it's up to you. You're the one who can veto it. We'll talk about it offline. Anyway, so as far as far as full albums go, so from a dubstep standpoint, um, the Skrillex, uh, the Bangarang EP. Oh, and I wanted to ask this, just as a quick sidebar. Is it just me, or are some EPs now the length of what albums used to be? Yes. And uh, are they putting them out as EPs because that's trendy? They're putting a lot of EPs Well, they've always said that, but, but it's like extended singles. Okay. Well, I think with, with Skrillex, they put that out as an EP because the demand was so big. Yeah. That they wanted to get something out. And they're like, okay, we have a collection of two or three songs. We're still working on stuff. We're getting ready. To, he was getting ready to tour. Right. So you put a different mixes out, get it on there, and let's get a couple mixes, get it out there so it gets heard to preset the tour. That's okay. kind of what I think happened with the Sprites EP. Okay. Well, I was just, I was just curious about it because like Bangarang is listed on as an EP, but it's got like eight songs on it. And I'm yeah. just like, really? But anyway, so, so for me, Skrillex, um, Joker, the vision and Nero welcome reality are, are the three albums that I listen to a shit ton um, from dubstep. And I'm discovering certain things like the stuff you sent me, Rob, from, from like the, Predate 2011 burial and stuff like that. Very you interesting. Like the stuff. Burial, yeah, some of it's good. Some of it's good. Uh, you're you're yeah, right. It's, it's very hit or miss, but it's interesting. Yeah. So because you could really see where the form where dubstep sort of started. Yeah. So yeah. you listen to burial, and then you listen to like the uh, the vision record, which is just incredible. And there's a there's a vision uh, remix EP that that I think is coming out or it's making the rounds that I highly recommend. Yeah, I will uh, check that out. That. But, but anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so, so th- those, those for dubstep. Now, other records that I enjoyed the entirety of, because one of the things about Spotify is you can just sample deep tracks without having to get the full album, but full albums. Um, I really like high flying birds a lot. Um, in fact, I was never a big fan of Oasis. I liked certain singles. Um, but for the most part could do without them, but high flying birds, I fucking dig the hell out of. It's uh, a really solid record. It's I did, really good. I did not think I was going to love that record as Me much neither. as I did. Me neither. I mean, I, I just, it was, again, Spotify, oh, this is new. Oh, I'll sample it. What the hell is this? So, so that was cool. Um, well, basically, basically, it's the part of Oasis, everything, it's everything that you might have liked about Oasis without Liam. Yes, there you go. Which I've determined is the part of Oasis I hate it. Yeah, there you go. So that's great. Um, also. The reason I like High Flying Birds, though, is it's kind of. I like, there's a certain Sergeant Pepper thing going on with it that I like. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. And, and that I thought I was the only person in the world that saw that. So it makes me feel better. No, 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 no. I just, I really like it as a whole piece of music. So, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no you're fine. Uh, also, uh, Tuffley, you turned me on to this, uh, Little Dragon Ritual Union. Yep. Enjoy that quite a bit. Um, and, uh, honestly, uh, sort of not really dubstep, but more of the rap type of thing. Um, Wiley's 100% publishing. Quite enjoy that. I, I'd heard some songs by Wiley before, but again, through Joker and related music, I found 100% publishing and that was a fun album. Um, the Fishbone Crazy Glue EP, always good for a new Fishbone. Very happy that that just showed up one day. That was amazing. Did not know that was happening. Um, and on uh, getting full albums, but getting away from normal music into soundtracks, um, 
the Chemical Brothers Hannah soundtrack. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Which did they give that a proper release by itself? They did. I, think. I thought they did. I thought yeah. they did. Yeah. Um, and the the movie was not so good, but the soundtrack for Sucker Punch was fantastic. Let me tell you, for workout music, it's awesome. Um, whoever uh, whoever thought to uh, map the Skunk and Nancy and Bjork um, uh, stuff together for Army of Me is great. Um, you know, we should do that. That should be like a topic sometime, like really good soundtracks for totally awful movies. There you go. Um, and, and well, also the driver's seat next. So. There you go. I know. Um, and, and, uh, not to steal something that toughly might bring up later, but, uh, the dragon tattoo soundtrack. Um, no, no, no. Uh, which I still have not heard. Yeah. That is on my awesome. List. Yep. Um, now that would be number, hold on. That is number 329. 68 on my Spotify list. Oh, you've already got it on there. Of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> Now, as far as, as far as, uh, individual songs, uh, I'll throw out some that, that impressed me. Uh, Headlines by Drake. I liked. Yeah. Uh, kind of anthemy feel. Um, also along those lines, um, Big Hype by Patrick Strump. Um, not, and not just because of the Idris Elba factor that he sings on that. And because of the wire, I have to, uh, check out everything Idris Elba ever does. Um, yeah. damn you, Ghostwriter, too. Um, I know. Also, uh, now while I enjoyed the concept of the album Super Heavy, um, I really would have enjoyed that album with less Mick Jagger. Um, because he just did not fit. That being said, two of the songs on there, uh, I don't mind an energy work with him. Um, so I was happy with those. Um, uh, also, let's see, uh, Cascade's Eyes, very cool. Uh, also a, a small, uh, single from the UK, uh, called Dr. Strange Love by Beat Seeking Missiles. We, we mm. featured on Music Monday. Really solid. Um, found the, the, uh, what is it? The Welsh surf band. I think they're Welsh. It's pronounced, uh, Newell. It's, pr- it's spelled Y-N-I-W-L. Uh, where they just, th- they do surf music. It's great. Um, the, uh, let's see. Uh, also the Coldplay, uh, uh was it, uh, was it, was it Coldplay? Every teardrop is a waterfall, or was that? Yeah, that yeah. was Coldplay. Okay, yeah, great record. That that is a great single. I, I'm really happy with that. Um, Coldplay makes really great singles. I mm. mean, when they when they sit down to make a record and they figure out what the what the singles are, and from what I from what I understand, they sit in the room and listen to the record, and they all write down what they think the singles are. And right. It's very much a band thing mm. on how they release the singles, but man, the, the, whoever decides what order they go on, they just they release everything. Just right with singles. It's fascinating that they just don't miss, you know. And they're not a singles band, but because uh, they make they make albums that you know, yeah, on their own merit are good. But they're picking singles. It's just incredible. So, um, oh, I, and real quickly, I discovered also the band Three O Three, um, <laughs> which is which, uh, like I described to you, Rob, is kind of like uh, a a, a hip hoppy electronic version of the Offspring. In that it's it's com- it's for the most part fairly throwaway, but sort of fun yeah. to listen to when you're in the mood. So uh, if you want to sample something of theirs, they put out an unreleased track called "Bang Bang" uh, towards the end of the year, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, "Band of Skulls," uh, their their track uh, "Devil Takes Care of His Own," uh, I really enjoyed quite a bit. So there you go. That, 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 oh oh and oh I'm sorry. My favorite my favorite album of the year. 
that that I think that beyond anything else I can listen to in any mood whatsoever mm-hmm. is uh out of my head by Movitz. With by, the, by whom? Movitz. I think it's Movitz or Movitz. They are a uh huh. they are from Sweden, I believe. And they're like a, a it's kind of like um okay, if you remember Korashi from Iceland, when yeah. they, they were doing they were Icelandic hip hop, it's like that, but with more horns. And their single is Sammy Davis Jr. And it is, an, the entire album is fantastic. So that is probably my favorite album. And and this is what's interesting. 90% of that stuff, I had never heard of until you brought it up. <laughs> so I just thought that would make you feel good. Oh, well, thank you. Thank Someone you. actually reads the music Mondays. And because <laughs> most of the time, Tuffley and I are like in the same sort of galaxy with what we like. And then... Widget is always the wild card of like, damn, how did I miss that on my radar? This is really good. <laughs> so, not that you're the bottom feeder of music. I'm not trying to imply that. But <laughs> I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking that, but thank you for bringing it up. But no, it's just, I mean, I, I know you always say, oh, I don't know anything, but it's like, no, literally, there's half of that. Like, I never would have thought about listening to Drake until you brought that up, I think, in, in one of the podcasts. Yeah. Well, I, and, so. and, and again, it was thanks to Spotify. Three is actually, actually. What's that? I was actually going to mention Drake, actually. The 303 record, just, I'm like, well, you know, and I, there's certain people that they say, check it out, at least check it out. And like when Widge talked about the 303 record, it's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this on Spotify. It's like, wow, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think it's cool that we're all so incredibly, bizarrely divergent in what, we, what we're going to like. So, Well, we try. So now, Did you listen that- to the Tom Waits record this year, the full one? Uh, I, I, I did listen to it. Yes. Uh, I, and did you, I mean, I like Tom Waits too. So I, I, I know we haven't really gotten into this, but did you like it or were you disappointed or was it just okay? Or, well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't think I've ever been disappointed in a Tom Waits album. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Tom Waits is a lot like Cirque du Soleil and that the, and, and sex. And then the worst you've ever had is pretty good, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. Um, it wasn't it, my favorite either, but I, I mean, I was glad to have it there. Oh yeah. And as much hype as I heard going into it, I felt a little teeny weeny shortchanged, but mm. again, it's better than not having a Tom Waits record. Right. So, I, I think, I think the last album of his that really blew me away was probably Bone Machine. Yeah. Um, but, but not, not to be said, you know, that the ones that have come after have been, uh, and I'm not counting, uh, Orphans, Brawlers and Bastards because that was more of a compilation, but, um, yeah. but no, I mean, it, uh, uh, any, any Tom Waits is good Tom Waits. I, I've never, I've never been unhappy with, with Tom Waits, except yeah. when he designed his ticket process. And where are we on the Pink Floyd reissues? Uh, I know people at home will want to know. I, I, I don't own any of them yet. Um, Tuffley has actually probably bought more of them than Waits. They're, they're on, they're <laughs> on the list. I, See, I, I had, I had kind of saved up some credits and then Amazon did this thing where they said, Hey, we've got a bundle of the entire Twilight Zone on Blu-ray for like 60% off. And I said, really? Do you? And Amazon said, yeah, honestly, we do. And I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not yet, but I will. Now, let me just ask you, Tuffley, 
then maybe yeah. or either of you, you might know. These are not like limited edition things that are going to go away in like June, right? I mean, they're they exist. Uh, the immersions. Yes? Now the immersions are okay. When when do they go away? So I know when my deadline is. I have no idea. Fuck! I haven't read, I haven't read that. It, I haven't read that far into it. I know the immersions are. Fuck. The discoveries aren't. No, no, of course not. But I'm talking the, the discoveries aren't, and like the regular versions of the record. Now, where are. now, where are you, Tuffley, with the immersions? Where are you? I I don't have the immersions. Oh, you didn't do the immersions. Oh, do the immersions. Okay, I am. Why? Because I knew you would. Oh, okay. Bum them from you. (laughs) Yes, you can. No, trust me. I will have them. They will be mine. They will be (laughs) mine. So, looking at records for 2010 and 2000. I'm sorry, 2011. I can't believe it's already 2011. I'm still used to saying 2010. Damn it. But it's 2012. So never mind. We'll start again. I lost track of what fucking year it was. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> all right. So looking at records at 2011, uh, we've talked about how this year was much more interesting than the previous year for records. And we're kind of bannering around interesting ideas for, for music this year. Toughly, do you want to go next? Do you want me to go next? What are you thinking? I'll go next. Okay. I can go. So I'll just end up screaming at you anyway. So yeah, go ahead. Cause, cause I was trying to think of, well, first of all, the, the backtracking to 2011, um, couple of records that i thought about let's see are there let's see if i can come up with a couple of records that you the listener should go out and buy that wedge and rob aren't going to mention uh the one that came to the top of the list for me was the go teens rolling blackouts record greatly overlooked which is such a perfect pop record i have no i i do not understand why people didn't just jump on that and the label bailed on promoting it too yeah so what you should do after listening to this is go find Rolling Blackouts from the Go team and buy it and love it. Um, the other one that I that I was thinking of would uh, I think which actually did mention the the Little Dragon record, which is awesome. Um, uh, Joy Formidable, uh, which yeah. is another band from Wales that uh, uh, is just completely, completely, incredibly awesome. Uh, they've got a record out called The Big Roar. And supposedly they have another record coming out this year. Uh, and, and they are very loud and they're Welsh. So they're great. Um, and the other one I was going to think of, uh, was this Martin Glitch from the Wombats, uh, which again was just a great pop record. Um, and it yeah. was sort of a bit of a change of sound for them, but it was really, really good. And I really enjoyed that record. <clears throat> yeah. It's very solid. Yeah. One of my favorite singles of the years on that record. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to 2012. Um, well, I think we. I, I didn't even do had... that, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, did I, I did, yeah. No, it's good. fine. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, go. Um, at the drive-in has a record coming out, uh, which we've alluded to, uh, which is going to be interesting, um, because to see some of, because some of those guys have been uh, involved with uh, sort of progish bands, so for 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 some of those guys to get back the songs that are only two minutes is going to be interesting to see if they can actually pull that off. Um, <laughs> just being honest. Yep. Um, uh, as I said, Joy Formidable uh, supposedly has a new record coming out, uh, which will be which will be cool. Um, let's see. Um, I know that uh, looking just looking at the list of bands from Coachella uh, that we talked about, some of those bands have records coming out that uh, that I'm looking forward to. Um, I would love to see if U2 actually is brave enough to put out the record that, uh, that, uh, that Danger Mouse did with them. I don't know. I've been hearing things about that. So, uh, 
we'll 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 see if that 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 comes to fruition. Um, and uh, and I'm always good for the unknown stuff that uh, that kind of just slams into the ear and takes us all by surprise. And we should totally be ranked uh, ranked higher in the BCS over the Mayans this year. So I'm thinking the end of the world isn't going to happen. So uh, you never know. Well, uh, I, I let me just if, let me back up and do 2012 then, because I think Tuffley was yeah. nice enough not to mention this because he wanted me to mention this. Exactly which February. <laughs> no sleigh bells. Oh yeah. Sure. Hell I, I, yeah! I, I, which was I, I left that for you. Oh I yeah! That move, but it's still later in February. Oh, I forgot. oh yeah! Oh, I have a present to send you. Oh God! Yeah, sleigh bells. There are certain there are certain albums that I just listen. They to. They have a the single f- out now. Fuck it, the they do. Oh, f- hang on. <laughs> Don't bother. I'm sending you a present. Thank you. All right. So, uh, also, uh, I'll throw out. <clears throat> um, uh, Wiley's got a new album coming out in January. Um. Rodrigo and Gabriela have a new album coming out in January. Uh, Leonard Cohen has a new stu- studio album coming out in January. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and there's a single from it out. Oh, really? Already. Okay. Uh, and he's touring. Oh, hello. For the love of God, if you've never seen Leonard Cohen, you have to. Wow. Second best concert I've ever seen. For the love of God. Wow. Four hours. Uh, Rob, what's the best concert? Uh, best concert I actually ever saw was Johnny Cash and Wilco at uh, nice. Irving Plaza cool. in Chicago, in New York. Cool. Uh, and other bands that I saw on schedules that had no dates: um, How to Destroy Angels, uh, Muse, yeah, Regina Spector. Uh, Janelle yeah, the Monet Regina Spector record. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Janelle Monet. Yeah, I was really looking forward to the Regina Spector record because it's supposed mm. to be. A little more different than the last one, but mm. they're not saying how. Okay. But I'm still looking forward to it. I, I know I'm going to like it no matter what. Uh, say anything. Uh, Sigur Ross. Soundgarden. Mars Volta. And then we get into the big question marks, as in, really? Because I saw on one list, Tool, question mark, question mark. Um, and I saw on Wikipedia, which is always right, so it must be true, there is a posthumous Freddie Mercury-Michael Jackson duet album? Yes. Yeah. It exists. Yes. Supposedly. Am I pleased or frightened? Probably a little both. Okay. This is, and if I recall correctly, and Rob, you can back me up, this was supposedly recorded in the period where uh, Freddie Mercury was doing albums with opera singers? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. If 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 this is th- if this is legit, I don't know. I Rob probably knows that this is more legit than I do. But I here's the thing. I'm thinking there's a couple reasons. One, it's supposed to come out in the latter half of the year, so I'm thinking that it's fairly legit because uh, there's there's some kind of other there's a whole stream of Michael Jackson projects coming out this year because they want to empty most of the vault. Well, that's what year. I figured. I figured if it yeah. existed, um, it would be coming. Yeah. But it also sets the table for the Freddie Mercury biopic, which comes out, I think, in November or December with Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. So, um, oh, which right. the early word is, oh, my God, he lost like 75 pounds to play him. Well, he's he is an underrated actor. Yeah. Um, but but he's he, he is. So this is uh, wow. I'd forgotten that was happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So I could easily 
to that end, I think it could happen. And I also think that there's another clean, like demos or some unreleased clean thing coming out. I've heard something or other. Like yeah, I, well, I saw there was an album they were listed, but I didn't know if that was like, quote unquote, new queen or if that was old queen. I don't know. I, no, I think the well, they catalog- Paul Rogers, so they were touring without him. Yeah, I know. I know. But yeah, but they I, did I call think- themselves queen with Paul Rogers. Because yeah. I think they were trying to be respectful of the fact yeah. that they weren't yeah. queen, and they didn't want to raise Rob's ire. No, I, I, I'm fine with them saying that they're. I mean, there's a difference in the way Queen has handled the death of their singer and moving on, than the way something like In Excess has. I mean, there's there's differences in how it's been handled. But right. um, I think the Queen albums too are also oh. being remastered and reissued. Okay, so so yeah, I just looked on Wikipedia, which is always right. Uh, Queen will be recording a new album featuring lost demos of Mercury on vocals. Wow. Boy, they are, they are mining that thing, aren't they? Well, I, I, I have to say, though, considering that I would Is actually... Is Jeff Lynne producing this record? Is Danger Mouse <laughs> producing it? Oh. No, is Jeff Lynn producing this record? No, no, no. Rob had the better question. Is ah. Danger Mouse producing it? Uh, He's producing oh. everything else. I'm fine with that. Well, I am, too. I, um, yeah, and you know, and I really, I mean, I had heard a lot of Queen records, but uh, like the singles and all the stuff that you sort of hear growing up. But until I saw their show at Live Aid, I'm still convinced that they were the best band that played Live Aid because that set at Live Aid at the time, I was just like, what the hell is this? That was the best I've ever seen a band play ever on, on TV or anything. When, when, if you have a chance to watch Queen at Live Aid, I highly recommend it. They, they went out there. I mean, because they came on after U2, and U2 said that Live Aid was legendary. Right? Yeah. Right. And That was the thing that made U2. Yeah. And then Queen topped them. And then, God bless, the Thompson Twins had to come off Madonna after it, I think. But um, that set, I mean, that was absolutely incredible. I wish they released that as a recording. So... Yeah, when you get all of Wembley Stadium to sing Radio Gaga with you, and that's not even their best single, that's pretty incredible. I think, well, it's part of the Live Aid DVD, but I think they did release that. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, which go ahead. Uh, well, that was it. I mean, that was that was that was my ending. Really, really, is this really fucking happening on my 2012 list? But now, is it just me, or does I, I thought when we did this, like for 2011? That there was a lot more already on the books for 2011 than there seems to be for 2012. Yes. Or am I hallucinating and, that? No, you're not. Um, part of it is like, I think two of the records done, but I'm not, bands are sort of hedging on when they want to do stuff. Everybody is kind of waiting to see when stuff gets released. Because for example, when they announced the Coldplay record was going to be released, a lot of other labels this year put other records back or forward because they didn't want to be out the same week as the Coldplay record. Right. Well, the other thing was EMI. Nobody knew who was going to end up with EMI, and some of those releases were EMI-related. Yeah. Um, and this year, I think there's just so much new stuff out that it's going to kind of wait and see where it goes. And no one really, no one wants to put a record out of a recession. So everyone wants the economy to get better. So there's a lot more stuff getting backloaded to the end of the year because everyone sees the 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 second and third quarter of the year as people having more money to spend on records. Plus, you will have had Coachella and the Grammys done by this by the next quarter, so they'll be able to bounce off of all of that. Hmm. Okay, just curious. 
But I yeah, think, I think that's my that, list. I mean, you know, but yeah, and can usually I, the first part one? of the year. Go ahead. Sorry, can I add one more uh, to my list? Real quick? Sure, you may do whatever you want. Uh, battles, uh, yes. glass drop. That was a lovely, lovely, lovely record, and uh, and deserves your attention and love. See, I think too that what they're going to do uh, this year, and historically, the first Jan. I mean, it gets it's really kind of low near the near right before Christmas and January. And the first part of the year is kind of like newer, either brand new artists that they're really trying to push or second records from bands. And then the deeper you get into the year is when you start getting the big stuff. So, um, like that record that, uh, the Flaming Lips are making with Yono, Yoko Ono, for example, that's going to be out but later this year. Stuff like that. Or the tool record, you know, I think they're going to kind of see what Maynard wants to do, if they're going to tour or not tour. There's lots of factors that go into that. No one knows when the Blur record's coming out. Uh, so there's some, there's some of that at work, I think. Although, I, I, and I haven't know, I don't know if you've seen anything about the Flaming Lips Yoko Ono record, but is it going to be embedded in something? A gummy object of some sort, or is this going to be an actual CD thing? I think it's an actual CD thing. Okay, because that, because I'm telling you, that bit's getting a little old. I imagine they would they would just send it off into space and everyone would have to buy a satellite to receive it. <laughs> that bit of and, and Wayne is 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 a freaky guy. I think he's a bit normal, but he's a bit freaky. In that mm-hmm. you know there was this some obsession that he had with gummy things last year. Yeah. You know that 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 to be an MP3 thumb drive and better than a gummy brain than a gummy finger or <laughs> some shit. And yeah. wow. Well, and I mean, because part of it is because Pussifer is still kicking and, and they've been touring. And then what is it? I, I keep hearing that Perfect Circle is going to do something else. So mm-hmm. Maynard's fucking busy as hell. Um, yeah. I'm sort of amazed. You know what? You could just do. Here's what they need to do. Talking about bands putting together across a genre. You could just do Maynard Fest and he could open for himself like twice. Well, I think like Spinal Tap also, used to do. I think the thing you also have with Tool is um, that there is always some sort of label problem anytime Tool puts out a record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I don't know how many labels own a piece of Tool by this point, but uh, uh, there's always some sort of label issue that they can never figure out which label any possible Tool record would ever come out on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. So, because I, I know. A perfect Circle, uh, which is part of the reason you got Perfect Circle and, and and some of these other bands, was because they needed something that did, wasn't tied to a label where you could actually release stuff on a schedule. Yeah. Well, and the other question is, could the 2012 schedule look like it does because more and more artists are moving towards releasing stuff um, independently of the labels who like to put stuff out according to a schedule? Somewhat, um, yeah. Be- because, I mean, it, it, you can you can pop it out on you can do i mean like 303 just put out three random unreleased singles at the end of the year um you know which are available you know itunes and spotify and amazon and whatnot so you can just literally just throw shit out whenever you feel like it and then oh maybe later do an album or or which is which is what the weekend's doing because the weekend has (laughs) three eps out and he's given all three of them away and he's coming out with a remix album that he's gonna sell yeah so I mean maybe maybe that's part of it too, in that you don't have to have such a huge lead up. I mean, like I said, Fishbone Crazy Glue, I didn't know that was happening until the day it hit. And then it was like, whoa, whoa, hey, Widge, Fishbone. I'm like, oh shit, Fishbone, hello. 
In fact, yeah. in fact, that's that's the whole reason I signed on to that radio, not Spotify thing, is because I think they had it first. So, yeah. but anyway. By the way, Mr. Brownstone performed by uh performed by uh by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so I guess my fries are up then, right? Your fries, yeah, fries are up. <laughs> well, first, I you know, this is a record I, I I forgot about, and I've been listening to it a lot lately. Is the Wild Flag record. Uh, which is Carrie Brownstone, uh, the girl from Helium, and a couple other other people as well. It's really really good. It's only about thirty minutes long, but it's really good. And uh, so I want to recommend that. I guess what I'll do is I'll mention the albums and then sort of talk about what songs I liked from them. If there was anything really big, uh, but there's just I mean it's it's colossally huge. So I mean I'm glad Tuffley mentioned the Wombats and you mentioned Joker, which is great cuz I can cross those off my list. But like for me, um on, on more of a bittersweet level, uh I strongly recommend um Ghost on the Canvas by Glenn Campbell. Yeah, I saved oh, that yeah. one for you. It's just it's just um a wrenchingly beautiful and poignant record and regardless of what happened to him as a record, it's just really marvelous and well done. So I want to recommend that. And watch um, Glenn Campbell take ownership of uh, some of Paul Westerberg's better songs. Yeah. And a guy that my voice is song, too. Yeah. Um, the St. Vincent record, Strange Mercy, was really good. And I, I liked uh, the song Cheerleader from that a whole lot. And the this, this there's, a, there's a lot of sort of British, British sort of poppy shoegazery stuff I like. I know Tuffley had mentioned um, Joy Formidable. Who kind of sound a little bit like Curve, but some other bands. Okay. Um, but I, I really like Veronica Falls, and uh, they're on their album self-titled. I like that a lot. Uh, there's an, there's another neat little band I like called the Still Corners. I just sort of discovered this band recently, and they're in that same sort of shoegazery vein, and I like them. There's a really kind of odd but interesting band from New Jersey that I think is going to go places called Real Estate. Uh, their album's called Days, but they have some really cool, uh, stuff they're doing. And the Ravenettes record, which I thought Tuffley was going to mention, called Raven in the Grave. The thing I love about the Ravenettes is they can almost show up any day of the week and be whatever band you want them to be. I yeah. just think they're really great. Um, I, I, they're the closest thing to like a 50 sounding band I think we've got right now. They're just incredible. Um, Pains of pure, pains of being pure at heart. They're from Brooklyn. I love them a lot. The heart and the heartbreak single I really liked, and I, I've talked about P.J. Harvey, uh, Let England Shake. I think it's probably my favorite record of the year, mainly because it's a great record to listen to from the beginning to the end, and it's basically her writing an album about what her own personal experiences is, is with England, and it's not all great, it's not all cheerful, but it is sometimes cheerful and sweet. And it's so completely different than what you would expect when I say, hey, there's a new P.J. Harvey record coming out. You know, we've talked about this, where she put out a bunch of really loud screaming records, got mellow, then put out some loud screaming records again, and now she's mellow again. But she's totally turned the tables with this record. And I th- I just think it's a, it's amazing. It's loud uh, screaming in another way. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Um, the Destroyer album called Kaput, which is kind of lost on a lot of people, Sort of has, uh, it came out on Merge. It didn't get a whole lot of hype, but it has that sort of like, re- it's a really good late night record. You know, if you're eating breakfast at like four in the morning or something, that's kind of a nice little late night record. Um, I know, God bless Tuffley, he gets the gold star for patience because 
all I've done since this time last year was bitch about how great the vaccines record is. And it came out this year and I still love it. Yeah. Um, the lead singer lost most of their tour because he had vocal surgery, uh, vocal cord surgery. And, uh, they're going to tour now because they had to postpone almost most of their American tour right in the middle of the hype. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Uh, I love the M83 record, Hurry Up We're Dreaming. It's a double disc. Um, and I think Midnight City, which, uh, you've heard it, right, Tuffley? Yeah. I have. I think, a- yeah. The, well, what's interesting is Brad Laner from, uh, Medicine is on the M83 yeah. record. But I think that Midnight City song, that's like, to me, that's like the song that should have been on the Tron soundtrack that kind of wasn't. Yeah. Um, it has that sort of really sort of drivey late night listen to it kind of thing going on. Uh, soundtrack wise, I love the soundtrack for Drive. I just think it's incredible. Um, I thought that was a masterpiece as well. Uh, Eleanor Friedberger from the Fiery Furnaces put out a record this year called Last Summer. Uh, it was really poppy and jangly and I'm not the biggest Fiery Furnaces fan in the world, but her record was really great. Um, Tuffley and I, I think, have talked about the Black Keys El Camino record, which was the last great record of the year, I think, to come out in 2011. Yeah, and I was going to count that as a 2012 album, because anything that comes out that close to the end I of am. the year, I just throw it on the next year. But this is going to be their year. I mean, they're going to be huge this year. This is the year they, they break out and go nuts. Yeah, because a... well, if you look at it, because the Foo Fighters were the last year's big rock band, so... You kind of figure, okay, there's only going to be one, maybe two really, mm-hmm. really big arenas, big arena rock bands. Yeah. Black Keys, this is the opening for them. Yeah. I think you're right. And, I and did, they totally I did, deserve it, by the way. I did like the Black Lips uh, Modern Art record a lot. Our Modern Art, that single from yeah. the Arabia Mountain. I love that. That's just such a catchy, nice single. I like that. I did like the um, Matt and Kim camera single a lot. And let's see what else is on. Oh, there's an interesting band from Detroit called Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. that I think is going to get bigger. I think we're just going to start hearing from them. Uh, Widge and I have talked about Joker. If you don't know who they are by now, well, sorry. Uh, the Wombats just record. Listening we, to Need Coffee podcast. <laughs> the Wombats record is great. I mean, I got the the uh, the Tokyo Vampire and Werewolves. I, I I end up playing that a lot when I DJ, and people are like, "Is this the Cure?" And you're like, "No, is it New Order?" No, and they're like, "What?" And it's <laughs> it sounds nothing else like any of the other songs on the record, but the album is really good. I still like their first album better, but I think if you're going to do a direction change and try to do something different with the follow-up. I think they went about it the right way and that they managed to make an album that's very personal. Yeah. Then their first record, very different, but you don't feel like they're just trying to do something. You feel like there's a band sort of trying to find themselves. Um, and it's, it's a much stronger record than I think a lot of people gave it credit for. Now I have a love hate affair with the Arctic monkeys. Suck it and see. Cause I didn't really love it at first. Yeah, but the more you listen to it, the more it seeps in. Um, it grows on you. Now, you know, I think I'll, that record and the actual the submarine record actually kind of go together in a weird and way. And this is what I was gonna. And this is kind of where I was going. What really jump started me on "Suck It and See" is when I got the submarine EP after I saw the submarine yeah. film because Alex Turner did the soundtrack for Submarine, and Richard Ayoade from uh, IT Crowd directed the movie. And those two have a very strong working relationship with it where they help each other out. And he put an acoustic version of 
uh, tile driver waltz on the submarine. And like, and I heard it. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So I, I got that AP and I listened to it. And then I was listening to the Arctic Monkeys record. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is on here. And it, it kind of shows the, the beauty of the song is that it could be just as interesting on both formats. Yeah. So but the submarine EP, I really, I mean, it's only, I think, six songs for the soundtrack, but I really loved it. Uh, and I, I wanted to recommend that as a, as a soundtrack as well. Also, uh, when Widge and I talk about how great the Joker record is, the Joker version of the Tron theme is actually really pretty cool. You know, I just wanted to, wanted to throw that in too. That if, there's, if we have no other hook to get you to listen to Joker, that there's a cover of the theme from Tron on it. And, uh, although I was really disappointed with the whole record of Gravity Seducer, the Lady Tron single for Age of Hearts, Age of, Age of Hearts, is actually pretty, pretty okay. Now, didn't and, that song, that song predated that album, actually? It was, wasn't it on the well, Greatest Hits album they put out? Well, they made, the record was done. Yeah. And they said, pull, pull a single from the new record that we can cross over with. So, it was kind of, yeah, it's kind of one of the same sort of type of thing. I, yeah, I swore was, that was on the Greatest Hits record. It is on the Greatest Hits, yeah. Yeah. But the, and they, and they, they already had the record done, and they said, pull something from the new record so we can have a first single to lead into the next record. And it didn't okay. really work because they took the best record, the best song from the new record, and then the new record didn't really have any legs to stand on. And I'm not sure why that record fell kind of flat, but it kind of did. At least, at least to me. I mean, I love the band, but it just fell flat. Well, because um, I, I, I want to say Ace of Hearts was like the only up-tempo song on that record. The rest of yeah. them have... Yeah, you're right. Everything else oh. was sort of drungy and dirgy and, and, you know... And when the single came out, people associated that with the Greatest Hits record and didn't even realize it was on the record. Yeah. Didn't even realize it was on Gravity's Seducer. So. Yeah. And then there's a really interesting band uh, called Craft Spells. And they put out a record called Idle Labor. And my favorite label this year is Slumberland, because they keep putting out the Crystal Stilts record, Pains of Being Pure at Heart, Craft Spells, uh, Still Corners, all these really great yeah. bands are on, are on Slumberland. And it's just a really cool label that I like. And then I've got some very weird single stuff I like that's horribly embarrassing that we're just yeah. not even going to get into. Um, but like, just in terms of throwaway pop, it was a really great year for just throwaway disposable pop stuff. I mean, you listen to like the Nicki Minaj stuff and you listen to uh, the Katy Perry singles, all this like, this is the year of like really slick pop getting put on the radio. You know, the Drake record, for example, it's, it is what it is, but it's also, it also works as pop. It's kind of interesting how all that sort of. The Drake record by Drake is the Drake record is very interesting because of the amount of street cred he gets. Yeah. And, the street cred he gets and the indie credibility he gets and that he can still, you know, top the record charts and nobody gives him shit about it. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting. I think I, I don't, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but yeah, he's, he's getting a free pass on everything. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, he's got the book with everybody's dark secrets in it or something. He knows you where know? the bodies are buried and they're all apparently buried in Canada. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, and I didn't really, give him a whole lot of notice until I started sort of seeing him everywhere. I was like, oh, I better check this guy out. And, you know, lyrically, he's not bad. So it's... The Take Care record in general is very, very, it's very more mature than his first yeah. record is. Uh, yeah. and, and, and you can kind of tell. Yeah. Um, 
the, the they might be giants record sort of surprised me this year. Yeah. It was much better than I thought it was going to be because as much as I love they might be giants, their catalog in recent years hasn't been necessarily the strongest. And this is probably the closest really good year they've had in a while in terms of making a really, a record that sounded like the, the they might be giants. We all learned to like, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of people liked Collapsing Into Now by R.E.M. I I think that, that there was a band that ever picked the right time to call it a day, that R.E.M. is the perfect example of just knowing that the game is over. I probably would have done it three years ago, but you made a record that critics liked, and they wrote off into the sunset, and to me, the record's okay, but... You think they should have stopped after Accelerate? Um, you think Accelerate would have been the better time to head out? Yeah, or even maybe before that. I mean, to me, okay. they started losing me with what the frequency Kenneth and, and Monster, and that was starting the sort of end trail for me. But I think three to five years ago probably would have been it for me. Um, and I love Peter Buck. I think Peter Buck's a really interesting musician. And I, and I like to see him move on other things outside of R.E.M. And he had the biggest influence. I think his biggest influence this year was probably the Decemberist record. Yes, which is the other record I was going to talk to, uh, yeah. talk about, uh, which I know your wife likes. Yes. Um, it, I really like the first single on it. And then I sort of got a little deeper and deeper into it. And I'm like, that's okay. And then I put it away for about a month or two and I went back to it. And if you, if you haven't heard the Decemberist record, listen to it more than once, sort of let it seep in. It's very, very much more clever. I'm kind of interested to hear what Kim thinks about it, but and I to be honest, more... because I have because of my of the proximity to my wife, I have listened to all of the Decemberist <laughs> records. Yeah, um, the the King is Dead is is definitely the most accessible one if you really yeah. don't like this band. Um, yeah, <laughs> just just because it is, and it sounds like old REM. It sounds like old good REM, and yeah. uh, and. And the songs aren't 10 minute suites about killing your children. So it's much more, but I mean, the summers are interesting because it's much more clever musically than I expected it to be. Yeah. And he finally got the, he finally got the memo of, look, everyone loves your records that are 10 minutes, but you're not going to sell any. Nobody's going to play it on the radio and no one's going to download it and, and keep it because your songs are too friggin' long. Yeah. And I love you know? Hazards of Love, but there are some bits of it that you just, you have to listen to it as a whole thing. Which is the problem with stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, if I've ever felt, I, I, I the, the sorriest I think I felt for a record, um, so there's two records this year that I felt really sorry about. First of all, the new Gorillas Best of is out. It's incredible. It's really good. But the Gorillas record that they made on tour on the iPad, it just kind of meanders. And yeah. I really wanted it to go more places than it did. And it was just really sad that that record didn't do anything. You know, it's better as a free record. When it was a free record, you can yeah, look okay. at it in a different light and go, okay, this is kind of cool because they did something that was free and they put it out. But then yeah. on the flip side, when they released it outside of the record club, outside yeah. of the giveaway, then you have to look at it in different light as a commercial record and yeah. go, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get into it. As a bonus disc on something yeah. else. And I'm thinking part of the reason there's a new Blur record coming out, which I am kind of interested to hear how that's going to sound, because Graham yeah. Toxin has a solo record coming out, too, that I'm interested in. But 
I think the Blur record is coming out because I think he's tired of the Gorillas now. So that may be put away for a little bit. And I'm I, I'm kind of interested to see what that's going to be. But I felt really bad because I really wanted to like that Gorillas record. And the other record that I was really honestly, sincerely curious about that broke my heart was the Metallica Lou Reed record. And we have to mention it because, you know, if someone were to tell me that a Metallica record was voted the worst record of the year, I just wouldn't believe you. I would have believed that there's something else that was horrible more. You well, know, a Metallica but, record that isn't St. Anger. Yeah. You're like, really? There's a worse record than St. Anger? Um, oh, there it is. And I, I, I'm, what, I, what I'm confused about is whether this record is actually really terrible or is this going to be like Man Machine where in 20 years everybody gets it. So I'm kind of curious to see how that fit, how that. Just, sort of just to give goes. you an idea, did you hear the report that the Metallica, the 30th anniversary thing? No. Where Lars basically stepped up to the mic and as a joke declared that they were going to play Lulu in its entirety. Yeah. And then said, no, 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 we're kidding, we're kidding, we're kidding. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't... Um, and the, the interview thing... on Jules Holland, it was great. The interview on Jules Holland, um, where they had uh, where they had Lars and, and Lou Reed sitting there. And yeah. uh, Jules had asked the question, do you think you guys will tour with this stuff? And he goes, are you kidding me? It's, it's hard enough to play it as it is. Oh, shit. I think they knew they had a difficult sell when they made it. Um, you know. But I think they wanted to get it out. And I think they sort of enjoyed making a record together and both artists will take something away from it. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to be the, the record that does it. You know? Here's my hope for that record was that, you know, James and Lars had for a very long time, uh, cause they've had this, this, this Morricone fix, um, mm -hmm. that they've wanted to do like soundtracky stuff for the longest time. And, mm -hmm. uh, they've talked about it and they've talked about it. And I thought, okay. Now they get to do that sort of thing where it doesn't actually have to be a Metallica record. And, and they have like Lou Reed and this great play to work with. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then they produce Lulu, which sounds like they were in different rooms the entire time. Yeah. The only time it actually works is the last track on the record, which is like the one that's like 21 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's where you kind of get, okay, this, if they had actually applied themselves, this actually could have worked. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I am really disappointed in Lulu because I kind of thought that would have been awesome mm -hmm. if, if it had taken off. Yeah. The, I also like the Rapture record a lot and the Clap Your Hands Say Yeah record, I think is kind of overlooked. I liked. Um, and that got razzed a bit. I noticed that people, that one got kicked around a bit by people. I didn't yeah, it was just, it. either loved it or hated it. And yeah. it, it was exactly what I thought it was going to sound like, so I wasn't really disappointed. You know, um, I, I was surprised with uh, how much girl talk got on my nerves this year because I just didn't think that that guy was going to still be around longer than how long he has. Um, there's an interesting record called uh, by Class Actress that they're much better lie uh on record than they are live but i think that they sort of are, are writing that retro thing pretty well uh with reproacher i like that a lot i loved the cults record uh i should mention that which is self-titled i think go outside is just a really great little poppy record and that that's a band that you kind of have to keep an eye on cults i think they um, have coming out this year too hmm? 
I think they have a record coming out later this year. Well, they better because I mean, like by the time that record came out, all the stuff was like years old. By the time they had a deal done, that, that stuff yeah. had been sitting there. Um, I've heard the new Ting Ting single, and I'm very frightened. The Hang It Up or whatever, it's on YouTube. It's just, I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous. The remixes for the record are far better than the actual single, which to me always tells you you have a weak single. Um, so I'm a little nervous about about that. Good looking at 2012. Uh, I'm excited about the new Blur record. I'm hopeful about the new Massey Star record. And uh, I'm very excited about the new Leonard Cohen and Big Pink records. Uh, there's a brand new Underworld uh, Best Of compilation coming out. And then the other thing that I really am kind of excited about is Underworld did the score for the stage play for Frankenstein. Yeah. That I that I saw with Danny that Danny Boyle did. Ooh. And it's incredible. Yeah, and Danny um, you were talking about they're they're curating the music for the Olympics. Danny Boyle is coordinating the opening ceremonies. Yeah. And um there's a rumor that they're gonna be playing with two other famous people that used yeah. to be in a band that somebody here likes. Yeah. For that ceremony, which I'm trying to imagine Born Slippy meeting, you know, Wish You Were Here and just trying to figure out how that's gonna sound in my ear, you know. Um, uh, if that actually happens, but I'm almost thinking that there would be two separate parts of it. It would can, almost have to. Be. Can I ask you real quick? And I'll throw this out to Wedge too. I don't know if Wedge has a dog in this, but what do you make of uh, the new order announcement? Well, you know, it's interesting. If you get the new issue of Mojo, yeah, there's a whole interview with New Order in it that they're making a new record without Peter Hook. They're going to tour too. Yeah, and then they've got uh, they basically took all of uh, Power, Corruption, and Lies and had different artists make songs on it. And it's yeah. really actually pretty good. But to me, the new uh, the problem with New Order is, as much as I love Bernard Sumner's voice, that bass is so probably more... You know you're listening to a New Order record when you hear the Peter Hook bass in the same way that you listen to a U2 record and you hear The Edge. Yeah. Or... You hear um, a Zeppelin record, and you hear uh, Jimmy Page. So I don't know if that's something they can overcome, and I don't necessarily think that that band's way to go is to be like a pure electronic band. So the jury is out for me for New Order because the last couple records have been where they've had like you know, like Crystal or some of the other stuff that they've had. they've had really great singles, but the albums have been crap. So, yeah, but to an extent, they've always been a singles band. Well, no, I mean, things like Brotherhood and yeah. Technique, Low Life, I mean, all those were really great albums. I think that yeah. after Technique, they stopped being, well, even Republic, I guess, uh, was probably the last really complete New Order record with the original lineup. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I'm not really, hope as much as I love New Order, I just, you know... I, I've seen the original New Order live and they weren't that great. So I don't know how great this version of it's going to be. I mean, they don't, they don't move around. You know, when you say guy at a keyboard, it's a dude at a keyboard, you know, at yeah. least, at least when you have an Eraser show or a Depeche Mode show or a Pet Shop Boys show, they put shit behind it to make it interesting. You know, now, have they said who's going to play bass? Because I had heard like they were going to get somebody. It's the guy from, it's the guy who'd been in. Bad that, Lieutenant. Uh, what now? Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, okay. I think it's all the Bad Lieutenant guy. I think basically they just folded Bad Lieutenant into New Order. Because I had heard all sorts of weird rumors that Moby was going to play bass and 
all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine those two egos being in the same room working either. Yeah. You know, I did like, you know, speaking of Moby, he put out a record this year that was really overlooked. The yeah. single from it with Heather Graham, this is, um, it's gone. Most of the record was a lot of instrumental kind of meandering stuff, but the first yeah. single from it was really incredible. Was that it? Was that Haunted? Was that the name of the record? Destroyed. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't I even know this was out. Word. Yeah. Well, he the did the uh, single from it is well, great. Well, now I I would love to hear that because it was Heather. You said Heather Nova, right? No, Heather Graham. Oh, okay. Okay. In the video. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I was about to say Heather Nova did that uh, Straight to Hell cover with him, which was awesome. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I, I, and, and please excuse me, dear listeners, as you hear me typing, I really am paying attention. I'm actually, um, logging what Rob's saying into Spotify for me to check out later. God, Fuck you, Duffley! <laughs> you pusher! If all, other people, if all the other people in the world would just do that. Um, <laughs> the, you know, we had, the other thing too we didn't talk about was the Rome record, which I thought was really ambitious, really clever, but kind of fell a little flat. I, I loved it. I loved all of it. I loved it, but I think the problem is you had an earlier record. The Patton record did it so well. Yeah. Yeah. That I would have waited a little bit to do it. But I did like the Rome record. I now, would have put Patton on the rec- uh, on the Rome record. Yeah. yeah. Now, I am a little... I have to admit, I'm very tired of Jack White at this point. It's like, can there be a record that Jack White is not on for like six months? That's all I You ask. know, I avoid the stuff I don't like. I know, but I like something and I hear Jack I White's know. on it. I'm like, okay. But having said that, the reworking of Seven Nation Army for the G.I. Joe soundtrack. Glitch is Mob. Oh, yeah. That is uh, sweet. Yeah. And that, and that, and that turned me on to the Glitch Mob. So that's, that's, that's another like. Because I hadn't heard three... that until Widge talked about it. Yeah. And then I had to track it down and I'm like, <laughs> God, this is the greatest record ever. Yeah, it is you know? nasty. It is just balls nasty. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that fell through the cracks. We could go on, you know, forever. But I think that it's a year that just a lot of great albums came out, but then a lot of people have put out albums that sucked, but at least have really good moments on them. I think The which, Roots put out somewhere in the neighborhood of three albums. Yeah, but I don't mind, because the Roots albums I can always listen to. Yeah. You know, I didn't... Um, the Yuck record is a record that came out this year that I'm a little late to getting to that, that I like. The Wilco record felt a little flat to me. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I'm really surprised about the carryover from Mumford & Sons. I mean, I know that record came out in 2010, yeah. but I'm surprised that, that this late in 2000. 11 in the start of 2012, that record is still selling as well as it is. Oh, yeah. And, and I think the um, crazy thing is that you don't have, and we haven't seen this yet, maybe we're still waiting for this to happen, but there haven't been like a whole bunch of folky bands back behind them that have hit. I don't yeah. think. And, you know, the Bombay Bicycle Club record that came out yeah. was really good, too. Yeah. Um, over here was kind of overlooked. And then I'm excited about this band called Factory Floor. They're on DFA, uh, they're on DFA Records. The first bunch of singles that they ever, they're English. The first batch of singles they ever did sounded like early Joy Division records. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And now they're really sort of technically Chemical Brother records, which I think is kind of an interesting, uh, way to do things. 
It's it's kind of like they, they almost put it like, okay, we're going to put these away now and do this. But really, um, did, don't you feel like between the editors and like Interpol that the Joy Division retro thing has been mined? Well, I think the, edit, the editors are moving away from sounding like that, I think. Yeah. God, I would hope um, so. I don't mind it too much if it's sort of an organic sound. You know? Okay. I mean, there's a lot of, there's all these like quasi electronic bands coming out that all sound like New Order. You know, and I'm just like, I just think it's a product of these kids growing up listening to that in the same way that all the bands that I liked in the 80s growing up listening listen to Beatle records. Yeah. So, uh, I think it's, I think it's so, so much more organic. What does frighten me is that there's a new record from Orgy coming out. I thought those guys were dead and buried. Uh, they need to be. I like I their can't... second record, actually. <laughs> but I'm just like, really? Those guys are still kicking? Really? Come on, guys. Go away. I mean, it just frightens me. Um, and then the new Wussy record is supposed to be really good, which I have not yet heard. You know um, what I'm excited about? Because I, I just read the press release about this. No. Um, uh, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks are co-releasing a single with L.A. Guns. Okay. That's scary. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Bonavir, I'm still on the, I mean, I know that they were hot this year. I'm still on the fence. I like some of it. I don't like some of it. Which I know is kind of weird. Um, but I think Bonavir is going to do really well at the Grammys. They're uh, going to become the poster boys. They're going to become the, the soft rock poster boys. Them, well, them and the Fleet Foxes. Like, I'm getting really tired of the Fleet Foxes, too. And I can't tell whether I, I it's so because... I see that happening. I can't tell whether it's because um, just the record came out and it was just kind of annoying. I, I didn't hate it. But once all the hippies started liking the... I went to the Fleet Foxes show and it was all freaking hippies. It was it. I'm like, all right, I'm done. You know? And they didn't move. They didn't talk. They didn't do anything. They just played. And it was like, really? Come on, guys. So that kind of bummed me out. I did also like the uh, the Washed Out band. I mean, you're from Atlanta. You've heard Washed Out, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that record a lot. That caught up. That, and, and his stuff for, for Portlandia has been... I mean, he that pretty much made that guy. He's getting his song on Portlandia. Yeah. Um, I did like that. I do like... Um, and I think uh, this Season gonna... 2 actually started last week. Yes, it was a thing of beauty. Um, yes. and I think this is going to trail over into this year, the Nikki, uh, Nikki and the Dove. They have a song called The Drummer. Yeah. Which is really catchy. It, it almost reminds me of, her voice reminds me of the old Fru Fru record a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I, I think I'm going to like that. And, um, I did like the Nick Cave reissues this year. I thought they did a really nice job with those. And, um, and since they've killed off the Grinderman, maybe we'll get a uh, Bad Seas record sometime soon? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, Nick Cave is... I mean, he's one of those people like Tom Waits, where it's like, as long as I get a Nick Cave record, I'm happy. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think he's taking his time, which is fine. I mean, if him and PJ Harvey take forever to make records, I'm fine with that. You know? I, I, I'm tending to turn into somebody who believes that bands need to take longer breaks between making records. Although because I like Grinderman, don't get me wrong, but uh, I did too, yeah. But I also love like the Mick Harvey solo stuff, yeah. And I wish you know we get some of that. Um, I didn't really get King of Limbs, the Radiohead record. I don't really see. I mean, I have held I have held on to the Radiohead flag a lot longer than most people because most people left after um, 
okay computer because they started getting kind of weirder, you know, with Kid A and Amnesiac and some of that. I held on to the flag pretty long, but they're pretty close to I'm just me going, what the hell is this? So You know, I thought the remix album was actually better than King of Lions. I did like the remix album of that. I'm going to go to see their show here, yeah. and I'm a little... Uh, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. I'm not sure whether I'm going to love it or not. Um, Rob, let me... So that'll be <clears throat> Let, let me cut in. We're, 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 uh, about at the three hour mark. So. Okay. Well, I was going to wind up in like okay, a second. No problem. I just want to let you know. Yeah. Um, but I the think, East yeah, Street uh, Band of Musical Podcast Wedge. Yeah, I <laughs> know. And, and the Beastie Boy record, and, I, and I'll wind this down and, because it's. No worries. If, 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 if <laughs> this is turning into, you know, Charlie Rose with me and, and, and Tuffley talking about all these records and what's wrong with them. But, um, <laughs> The Beastie Boy record I thought was going to be better than it was, but I'm really happy to have them back. Like the lead single I thought was great and should have done more. Oh, don't play no game that uh, I can't win. God, yeah. I wanted that. That should have been what the record was like. Yeah. And then the. Uh, I'm kind of astounded that the Chili Peppers record and the James Addiction records went nowhere. You know, that kind of I thought for sure they'd do better. And um, that's kind of where I'm at musically for the year. So I think that kind of throws everything out. <laughs> um, Have we cleaned house? <laughs> I think you'll see the Chili Peppers record pick pick up some steam after the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just but by, it might find better live too. You know. Yeah, just by just by sheer will, I think it'll yeah. probably get a bump after the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. You might be right. Um, but there's also great records too, like Black Joe Lewis that came out that nobody liked. Oh yeah. Great. Um, and there's a neat record by Escort. The other, oh, the other thing, and then I'll shut up, is the, uh, VCMG record is going to be a really interesting. It's Vince Clark and Martin Gore, who were both in Depeche Mode. Martin Gore is one of the founding members of Depeche Mode, and Vince Clark left, you know, very early on, and they haven't done anything musical together in at least 25 years. And they've made a record together. And that's coming up, I think, the first half of this year. Is it already out in the UK? It's already out in Britain, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be real interesting to hear how that works. Um, I also did like the Memory Tapes record that came out this year. And finally, the Apparat, A-P-P-A-R-E-T. Oh, the Devil's Walk? Yeah, I love that that Apparat record. Um, but it was one of those records that no one's going to get. You know, me, you, and Widget are the only people that will listen to it and really like it. So, um, yeah, and then there's a band called Hess's Moore um, that has a record called Going Going Out Looking for the End of the World, which is kind of like my uh, song that should be in a commercial or in any trailer where something blows up song, that, but it's not yet. So that's kind of where I'm at musically um, and where Tuffley is and Widget is musically. And again, we have tried to synopsize the entire year of music in 40 minutes, and we hope we did that. And Hopefully we gave you something to look forward to for next year. Do either of you guys have anything else that we that we skipped over in talking about music for this year or next year or last year? I think we should note that we'll have charts of this in the lobby that you can look up at the Amazon uh, store at Need Coffee. <laughs> yes, yes. Any anything? Uh, you're absolutely right, Tuffley. Anything that you hear on here, first of all, we we encourage you to go check out our unofficial sponsor, Spotify, and sample this stuff because I I I wanted to make sure that between buying something you don't like through Amazon and supporting need coffee just to give us money and actually buying something you like. I'd much rather you bought something you like. 
So, yeah. uh, so sample it first through Spotify. And if you decide that, like me, you want to grab something and stick it on your iPod, uh, iPod, well, your iPad either, or any other iPad, any other vowel that you want to throw in there. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, that you, you can go to Amazon, go to the front page of the site. Uh, or to the show notes for this show. Any any page on there should have an Amazon search thing on the right-hand side. Uh, if you search on that uh, and buy, uh, we get kickbacks. Or you can simply uh, bookmark this, needcoffee.com slash Amazon. If you go there, it redirects you to Amazon with our little thing on it, uh, and we get kickbacks uh, for that. Nice and simple. And then you can and just get a lot of kickbacks. stuff we recommended, even if you just get what you want. Oh yeah, it doesn't have to be something you recommend. We recommend anything you buy through Amazon. If you're going to buy it through Amazon anyway, um, do it through us, and that helps uh, keeps the lights on. Like um, when like you Rob see says. us at Dragon Con, you can just lie. Yes, I did get that record. Yeah. The other thing you can do too is you know if you've heard if we've missed something, by yeah. all means, feel free to shoot us an email, please. Um, because we can't hear everything. Or and I, I will invite this is that uh, I uh, if you if you are my friend on Facebook and you can find me at facebook.com/slash widget. Um, through Spotify, of course, you can share shit. So send me stuff because I, yeah. there is too much. I, I, as you know, you are much likelier to listen to something when a friend of yours or someone you know, uh, s- says, no, really, you need to hear this. So I appreciate anybody on Twitter and people have, they've said, Hey, you'll like this or Hey, try this out. Uh, and I always appreciate that. So, uh, feel free to be my friend on Facebook and send me shit through Spotify. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's helpful it really is so again that's a crazy panorama of crazy reunions and bizarre antics and shenanigans in the world of music that is the soundboard and uh, thank you very much for listening we're going to see us the party in Karumba and uh, get on with the new year so thanks for listening and again uh, we're all on Facebook and we're all on Twitter so check us all out and uh, thanks for listening and hopefully we have enhanced or uh, not completely killed your passion for music. And thanks for listening.